gentlemen, the show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. You'll be found on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnuminium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chief Sports Network. Juice Wells, all the way, touchdown Gamecocks. Pressure, Curly just dives in. Jamie Bradford. All right. <clears throat> Greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios and built by the Barndo Co., the Barndominiumco.com. That's where your dream home can be built for as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, if you live in Georgia, or if you live in Tennessee, make sure you check out the barndominiumco.com. Signorama, of course, is the preferred sign partner of the Gamecocks, and you don't have to look any further than places like Colonial Life Arena and williams Bryce Stadium to see their fine work. Signorama.com. JC is off. It's Wednesday. Phil and I will be here until 2 o'clock. I apologize for not being here yesterday. I was sick, and I have been sick, and uh, needed yesterday, Phil, to kind of get back on the mend, but I'm glad that we're moving and grooving. It's going to be a busy, busy morning slash afternoon. We'll be joined in 15 minutes by David Cloninger of the Post and Courier. Back, uh, Good to have him back on track with us. We've got a full hour of Matt Anderson coming up at noon, and then John Strickland will join us at 1.20 today, giving his final thoughts on the 2023 Gamecock football season. Last night, South Carolina wins again. They are 6-0 after defeating Notre Dame in the ACC-SEC Challenge, and Lamont Paris's team will turn their attention to George Washington on December the 1st, and if they win it, they'll be undefeated heading to Clemson next week, who had a big win last night as well over top 25 Alabama, there is a chance, Phil, and I don't know when the last time this could have possibly been was, if ever, but there is a chance that Clemson and South Carolina could be ranked in the top 25 when they play basketball next week. It's incredible. I know. Whoa. I mean, they both all got, they just got to take care of business one more time. And I Whoa. would, yeah, I would be surprised if seven and O Carolina would be unranked. Uh, That would be I a know. big, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think that's, I mean, 
somebody will have to do if it gets to that. Somebody will have to do some type of research. Yeah, obviously, some type of research would have to have been done at that point. Uh, you've got a Carolina team who looks solid. I mean, Michi, go have you a night, man. That's exactly what happened last night. And then, Sorry about that. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. They've got talent, and they've got apparently, you know, Lamont's coaching them up, man, to get them to where they need to be. That would be that would be something. If it gets to that point, uh, there will be some research being done as to whether that's the case. So we'll ter- certainly talk plenty of basketball today. We've with with both of our first two guests, uh, David Kloniger and Matt Anderson. Uh, and um, great start to the year for those guys. All right, now to the portal. We know what you're talking about. We see it in the Nanosports chat box, and we will address it. K.J. Jefferson, according to reports from Brad Crawford, who we tried to get on today, but uh, Brad's got a busy schedule today. We will have him on soon, Um, probably very soon, as a matter of fact. But um, K.J. Jefferson, quarterback at Arkansas has now entered the transfer portal officially. He is transferring, and according to Brad, K.J. Jefferson would be, at this point in time, down to two suitors, Auburn and the Gamecocks. Now, let's go ahead and say what needs to be said, and you know what I'm going to say here, Phil, and J.C., of course, would be the first one to let these words out of his mouth if he was if he was on the air right now as well. Uh, don't ever count out Auburn, ever. And especially when you got a guy named Hugh Freeze as the head football coach over there, uh, you don't count out the Tigers. There's no doubt about that. With that said, Dowell Loggins, of course, is the offensive coordinator for the University of South Carolina. They have a relationship previously from when he was at Arkansas. Things did not go this the way that they wanted them to go this year for K.J. Jefferson as quarterback of the Razorbacks, as we all well know. Clearly, they had some changes over there that just didn't work out in his favor. Lenora Sellers is the perceived front runner to be the starting quarterback for South Carolina next year. Granted that, unless something really wild happened here, uh, that um, Spencer Rattler did not return. It doesn't appear, if they're going after K.J. Jefferson, that Spencer Rattler is planning on returning, even though he kind of slipped the door open, if you'd like to call it that, uh, last week when he mentioned that he did technically have one year of eligibility left. Um, if Carolina is the front runner and if they're planning to attack KJ Jefferson, that should tell you all you need to know about what they want this offense to look like. I can tell you this too. I've got a couple of sources that a few weeks ago mentioned that there is another SEC West quarterback who had some interest in playing here. He has already entered the portal as of a few days ago, there did not appear to be the same amount of interest. So these two quarterbacks are different styles of quarterbacks, Phil. If they are pursuing K.J. Jefferson, and if K.J. Jefferson is pursuing South Carolina, it kind of sets up what they're trying to achieve here as far as what style of offense they want to run. Now, there are going to, as we well know, if this does come to fruition, um, Caden, it wasn't Max Johnson. Uh, if this does come to fruition, there are obviously going to be those that would criticize the move because they just want to see Lenore Sellers step in and play quarterback. 
and I understand that. I think we would all understand that. But you are not in any way, shape, or form going to tell somebody who would make your quarterback room deeper and better and fit within your offense, a guy who's been playing college football since 2019, you're not going to tell him no. You can't. Because what happens if a major injury happened to Lenore Sellers? I know you don't want to speak those words. You don't want to utter things like that, but you have to. Think the coaches don't talk about that? What happened if Lenore Sellers goes down? Then what? So you, you've got to create competition. And in five, if five and seven doesn't tell you that you need to create competition as much as you can at every position on the field, then I don't know what does. So if this all works out, the Gamecocks would have a couple of quarterbacks. I think, I think, of course, Lenore Sellers, in my, in my personal opinion here, Phil, and it's a very limited amount of information that we all have. I think Lenore Sellers throws the football much better than K.J. Jefferson. But you would have two QBs with similarities that could run the offensive system and scheme that they would want to run. Again, none of this has officially happened, but according to Brad Crawford, now that he is officially in the portal, the Gamecocks, quote, are believed to be a front runner for K.J. Jefferson, of course, alongside Auburn as well. You have to look at it just from a depth standpoint, too. I mean, you know, you're going to – who do you have behind Sellers in that quarterback room that you could just plug and play in the same style that Sellers plays? Nobody. I mean, yeah, I, no. I mean, you've got some athletes back there, but you don't have anybody near like that. <laughs> you don't have anybody who's, you know, going to be able to run uh, a lot of that, you know, quarterback run game stuff. I mean, you'll be able to kind of, I guess, tone it down a bit. But, I mean, my goodness, think about what kind of confusion and issues there would be if, you know, God forbid, you know, you're in the middle of a game and Sellers goes down and – but what are you going to do? You got to change the entire offense. I mean, here you are. Now you got confusion up front with protections and things like that because you're calling plays that you're not necessarily that familiar with or, you know, haven't run but a few times. And next thing you know, it looks like, you know, the Satterfield offense where nobody knew what they were doing. <laughs> I, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, it, it, and look, you know, again, there's going to be people that disagree with this. That's fine. I don't care. This football program, there, depth is the problem at South Carolina, period. <laughs> period, the end. That's it. Depth is the problem at South Carolina, okay? They need depth at every position, every single one of them. And if you're a player who you think you're just going to step right in and start, that's fine. But I got news for you. College coaches have to recruit over everybody that they sign, every single player. You know why? Because of this thing that they're using right now called the transfer portal. That's why. They have to recruit over everybody, and every player has to understand that. And it's up to that player to go out there and bust his rear end and win the job. I don't care who you are. I don't care. I don't care if it's Peyton Manning. I don't care if Emmett Smith, Emmett Smith is reincarnated. I don't care. It doesn't matter. You have got to understand now in college football because – Anybody can up and leave whenever they want to, in addition to the fact that you have injuries all the time, and this program has been as injury-prone as any as I've ever seen. You have to recruit over every position you have, every single one of them. If Xavier Leggett and Juice Wells were both returning next year, 
and they had Marvin Harrison Jr. or whoever enter the portal, and he said, I want to come to South Carolina. Guess what, Xavier? Guess what, Juice? You got competition. You better go earn it, and you better go win it, and our football program is going to be better because of that. As long as everybody knows that it's open communication, that we have to sign guys, we have to sign players here. We can't just take the risk of this is just this set of guys that we have. And what if he just doesn't play that well? What yeah. if he gets hurt? What if somebody comes calling and offers him a million dollars under the table? These coaches have to now prepare literally for everything. So you have to sign every damn player you can sign if you can sign them. If they're good. So, I mean, you know, anybody that would be frustrated by that, you obviously don't understand how to build a football program. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if that's your favorite player or not. You want to win or not. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. So, I mean, you know, I I personally am am a believer in in, as far as the quarterback. And Look, what are we, four days removed from the end of the last season? I mean, there's so much that's going to change. But, like, I'm a big believer in where this quarterback room is next year headed headed by Lenora Sellers. And if they don't get K.J. Jefferson, I'm still a big believer in it. Big believer, big time. But if they do, it's only going to make that room better. K.J. Jefferson might come in and not win the job, and he's a backup quarterback 13 games. I don't know. I have no idea what would happen. But I know this. This team, this program, with all the injuries and with not going to a bowl game and with the transfer portal, you better go sign the best players you can sign and create competition in every single position you can create competition at. That includes all of them. Kai Kroger, Lenore Sellers, Juice Wells, I don't know. Name name anybody you want. If you can go sign another punter and Kai Kroger was an All American, so what? Now you got two of them out there. Figure it out. That's a good. That's a great problem to have, and that's what coaches are after now. And when they know that they can wake up and be Marshawn Lloyded, like they did last year, you got to go sign players. So they're going to go sign players, and I don't blame them one bit. If they sign KJ Jefferson, that would be a wonderful thing for this football program. Yeah, I, added depth is, is is always a good thing. I, I I don't think there's anything that we know about Shane Beamer who would you know say we're gonna guarantee you a starting spot if you come. I don't think that's gonna be the situation where you're gonna end up pitting the two of them against each other. You know, inside the locker room as opposed to in healthy competition on the field. Um, and you know. I, the whole Dowell Loggins thing is going to show, you know, some favoritism to him. I, I doubt that situation is what it is. I mean, Loggins was not the offensive coordinator when he was out there at Arkansas. So it's not like he's got this book of plays that he drew up just for KJ that he's going to be like, nope, he's the only guy that can run it. And, and you until you learn them, Lenoris, you're not going to be able to, you know, get in there. Uh, I would take it. I I mean, you know, I I don't see a downfall. I mean, you know, a drawback rather to having, you know, experienced SEC depth at any position. And I think that if you can get one who has the same playing style as the guy that you have, you know, slated as the apparent starter, then you're only going to get better. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the two of them are only going to get better. I, I mean, you know, it's just, it, it is what it is. You, you got to have depth. I mean, my God, if this last season hasn't told us anything, <laughs> it's you need quality bodies behind the guys that roll out there for kickoff. There's and no if question. you don't, you will falter. Period. There's no question That's, about it. <laughs> you can't th- not have that. 
in the world that we're living in, I know we're up against a break. David Cloninger is waiting patiently, so we'll get him in. And but, like, look, man, this is a world in which college coaches are being fired two years, three years. Zach Arnett just got fired in his first year in Mississippi State. One year, not even a year, like ten games. So I mean, you know, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, head coaches, all these guys. They have got to protect themselves, and they've got to protect their football programs. And the only way to do that is with really good players. And when you don't know when they're coming and going on your own roster, as long as you communicate that with them, like, hey, I want you to understand, you're my guy, but we we have to sign players. And if there's a really good player out there that can come in and make you better, make us better collectively, we're going to sign them. And, you know, that's the big boy world we're in now. I mean, it just is what it is. If You know, if a – if the coaches and the players can up and leave whenever they want to go and do whatever they want to do, and you know players can leave without contracts, owe nothing back to the school, and just get up and go, go wherever they want to go, just gallivant around, go play football somewhere else, then you got to understand that you're going to be recruited behind and over. That's just the name of the game. Uh, so that's where we are. If they want to stop that, then you know they can stop the transfer portal. But they haven't done that, so they're going to keep signing players. And who knows if KJ Jefferson really ends up at South Carolina, but Brad Crawford with a fairly confident report on that and the fact that the Gamecocks and the Auburn Tigers will be uh, the at least at least now the top two contenders for his services and Carolina with Dow Loggins certainly um, possibly having a leg up. But I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Auburn's had quarterback issues and they also have Hugh Freeze. And that's a very intriguing place to play for guys like that. Uh, TJ Finley, Cam Newton, those type players have exceeded or succeeded, I should say exceeded expectations and succeeded on the plains of Auburn. So we'll see. We'll see. But we're going to talk about it more. We've got to step aside for a timeout because David Klonger is waiting, and he'll be in when we get back here on ITG. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down to Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barn Doe Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. 
The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go Gamecocks. Undefeated year for Gamecock basketball, men and women, and this guy covers them as well as anybody out there. It's been a while. We do miss him, but I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving, and I hope you're off to a good holiday season. David Cloninger with the Post and Courier. Hey, bud. How you doing, guys? It's a little weird sitting here not having a football practice to go to, but that's what happens sometimes. A bad end to a bad year. Bad end to a bad year. We're going to get to hoops in a minute. I was planning to actually lead off with hoops, but – Brad Crawford, whom you know with 24-7 Sports, has uh, tweeted out some really interesting news that K.J. Jefferson, now former quarterback at Arkansas, is out of, with the Razorbacks. And he's right now, according to Brad, the top two contenders would be the Gamecocks and the Auburn Tigers. So my question to you is this, with Spencer Rattler expectedly moving on, what would that tell you about the future of this offense? Lenora Sellers is already maybe the perceived starter in 2024. Well, guys, I mean, I'm checking on that right now. I obviously just saw Brad's tweet and some very recent news. K.J. Jefferson himself puts out, hey, I haven't made my decision yet. Okay, so we'll see what happens. Obviously, the portal isn't open until Monday. Um, a lot of reasons why that move would make sense. Obviously, he knows Dowell Loggins very well. Uh, South Carolina, you know, will be losing their starter, most likely, probably most likely. And so they don't have one, but <clears> – <throat> not doubting uh, who's told Brad whatever, but I don't know if, if that, I mean, yes, it makes sense in some ways. In other ways, it doesn't. If you want to start building for the future, you want to go ahead and do it now. And if that's Lenora Sellers, if you want to give Luke Doty a shot at it, then that's what you need to go ahead and do. Uh, obviously, there's going to be some movement in South Carolina's quarterback room no matter what happens this year. That might just make it more. So we'll see what happens. Again, the portal opens Monday. Uh, you know, a lot of times things get reported or kids say something and then they backtrack on it. So we'll see what happens. But uh, to me, like, well, you're not going to bring in a guy like that and not play him. And you look at what he does. He's obviously a very big talent. But do you have the personnel to really help him work? Uh, you know, Dowell Loggins will. But of course, they had an offense last year at Arkansas that just was not very good. I know that their OC got fired eight games in, and Rocket Sanders was hurt a lot too. So which of those was more the cause of why Arkansas struggled so heavily offensively? Yeah, and those two years that he played um, uh, under <coughs> Coach Riles, where he played the majority of the year, he completed sixty, almost 68% of his passes, threw for about 5,300 yards, 45 touchdowns and just nine interceptions, David. So, I mean, it. I think what what I'm getting at here, because there have been other 
quarterback. Clearly, if they're interested in taking a quarterback in the in the portal, or if KJ Jefferson's name, let me say this differently. If KJ Jefferson's name has come out, then the Gamecocks obviously are at least interested or they're not disinterested in taking a QB in the portal. But I think it what type of quarterback kind of tells me where they want to go with this offense. I don't mean this disrespectfully at all to Spencer Rattler. I think he's the best quarterback that's ever played here. He's not what you would consider a, quote, dual-threat quarterback. No. Lenore Sellers is, K.J. Jefferson is, and, and maybe somebody else out there if Jefferson doesn't work out. And that, that could be a good point, Jamie. I mean, if you look at it and say, obviously, South Carolina's running game this year was not good. And you're probably – well, I can't say probably, but if you're going to be losing a piece that made it at least decent, Mario Anderson, and you know on Joyner's already gone, well, how do you try to fix that? This would give you a, a half of that fix right away. Say, well, now you could present that running game without necessarily adding another top flight running back, but you'd still have to go get running back. So would it be worth it from a USC perspective to add in a guy who knows Dowell, who knows the system, can run, can offer that threat, or are your is your offensive line and your other uh, things that you need to work on going to hinder that? So, I mean, again, a lot of things to work on, a lot of things to look at. Uh, we'll see how it goes, but the portal does officially open on Monday, and we'll see how it goes from there. You think this will be the wildest we've ever seen? I mean, it hadn't been around that long, but – I'm kind of predicting and projecting that this portal season is going to trump anything we've seen thus far. Of course it is, Jamie, and especially because the window is shrunk. There's only 30 days. I mean, you've already seen, what, probably at least 100 kids from across the country have all said, hey, I'm entering, I'm entering, I'm entering, and it's not even open yet. So this thing, man, it's going to be not only a carousel, but like the biggest carousel you ever saw. And it's just constantly – it's not stopping. Constantly people are just jumping on and jumping off, jumping on and jumping off. And that's that's the new normal now. You know, that's what you have to do to compete. And, of course, any coach who's trying to play it saying, if I can go get that guy, it's going to make my team so much better. But you also have to think, if I get that guy, how many more of my current kids are going to leave? And mm-hmm. that's that's just the way it is. I mean, that's how you have to recruit now. And, of course, the early signing period is coming up on December 20th. So you say, mm, if I get that guy, is that going to affect some of those kids that have been committed to me for, say, a year? So it's it's a whole a whole lot of uh, balls to juggle that are kept in the air constantly, which makes me very thankful that I just have to report on it, not actually do it. You know, and here and here we I know I don't know you might you might get the same amount of sleep as some of these coaches having to report on it since it's never ending. Um, what have you learned about you know just in talking with Coach Beamer and and other other coaches on staff about? about what what to make of this time of the year. I know that the portal period, as you just mentioned, has shrunk, but it's still – you still have – well, Carolina doesn't, yeah. but in general, you still have bowl practice. Um, you still have the portal kind of overlapping that. You still have the early signing period. I don't understand how they can manage all of this uh, to the best of their ability to be able to build their football program. Yeah, it's very tough, uh, Jamie. And, you know, there's not a lot of uh, dead time. I mean, it's actually kind of a favor this year. It's like, well, as bad as it is to say, you don't have practice to worry about. So South Carolina started their individual player meetings on Monday. I believe those are set to wrap up today. 
And so, okay, you've taken care of your per- your current team. You know the guys that definitely won't be back. Uh, you know, there may be a couple more that not that not go. Now you start spending your time saying, okay, what do I need to do? The portal's always going to be there, but it's not officially open. So right now you, you, you can't contact a kid. You know, once the portal opens, you can. But, of course, you're already starting to build your database of saying, this kid's entering, what can I find out about him? This kid's entering, what can I find out about him? And you go and talk to his people, do what kind of the background check of what you need to do. So there's all that. And then, of course, just because a kid's committed to you and saying, Coach, I'm, I'm coming, I'm going to sign with you in 20 days at 6 a.m. Okay, you still got to go talk to that kid. You still got to make them feel loved. You got to text them. You got to do everything that's allowable under NCAA rules. So I know Shane, very meticulous. You know, he, he sets out everything in a chart or on post-it notes and just, you know, you knock them out one by one. And I'm sure that's what the staff is doing too. Because obviously the head coach can't talk to everybody. There's just not enough minutes in the day. You can't. So you got to divvy that out among your staff. And again, it's actually a little bit of a favor when you don't have a bowl to practice for because you have that much more time. That said, everybody in that building would rather be practicing right now. Yeah, there's no question about that. David Cloninger with the post-end courier here. It's 1130 on this uh, second to last day of November. Um, D.C., clearly there are going to be plenty of fans. Not going to be. There are uh, plenty of fans who are wondering about this staff and will it stay intact. Um, But – I don't know that we'll know that for a little while. Coach Beamer, since he's been here, has been uh, very methodical in how he makes staff decisions. Uh, what would you? How would you comment on that? I, I'm, I don't, I'm not asking you for any inside information because I don't know that anybody has any at this point in time. But how, how would you view this as we stand here four days removed from the end of the season, the, the timeline in which we might see changes if there are any? I realize, guys, you know, it's it's silly season. And if you have a bad year, somebody's saying like, well, somebody got to be fired just to just to save face. Maybe. I mean, I look at that football team this year and say, were there a lot of not great performances that you could pin on an assistant coach? Sure. Were there a lot of just dreadful performances? Sometimes. Was there a season long dreadful performance? I don't think so. I mean, the, the defense was not great for eight games. Last four games, it was fantastic. You know, the running game, okay, I mean, you, you can say it wasn't good all year, very true, but you knew going into the year that it wasn't going to be very good. So what are we even talking about here, you know? And that's because of a failure by the entire staff to land a top-flight running back out of the portal last year. Nothing against Mario Anderson, who they got, but, you know, they brought him in to be kind of the backup guy that didn't end up working out, but – it ended up okay. So you look at that and say, well, could there be moves made? Of course there could. There could be guys where other spots open up and they decide to go there. There could be other minds like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go to the NFL. Probably not going to happen with this staff, but you never know. It's happened before. And then there are other times where if you're the head coach, you say, okay, it's a bad year. That all comes back on me. Do I feel the need to make a change just for the sake of making a change? to show people, all right, I'm on top of it, I got it. Okay, no one's going to blame you if you do. But I think Shane Beamer is also smart enough to know you got to have somebody in mind to replace if you're going to make a move. Is there anybody out there right now that you could say, oh, man, I got to have that guy? I don't know if there is because 
let's also keep on the other side of the equation here, folks. They got to want to come here too. That's something that a lot of folks often forget when there's a coaching search. Like they got to want to come here too. Okay. It's not just opening up the checkbook. So right now, I don't know if there's anybody that fits that bill. I certainly would not be surprised to see a couple of staff changes before the year is out, but there's a lot of factors that go into it. Right now, I can tell you that everybody's there intact. Nobody's been told, hey, you need to look around or, hey, you're not coming back. But there's a few things coming up. One, you got to end up this recruiting period. Do you want to get through the early signing period and then start making a move? That's happened before. We can see what happens. I know other teams have already done it. That's other teams. So, We'll see what happens, but to me, the the biggest factor is, do you have somebody definite in mind that you want to go? And before anybody says it, I know Deuce Staley is currently out of a job. And Deuce is a fantastic Gamecock. He's a fantastic guy. He's not going to be a coach here. Just not going to happen. So just get it off your mind, and we'll move forward. (laughs) Move past that. I think you took you hit on one thing, David. It was like you not only have to find somebody who wants to come here and is going to, you know, and it shows the interest to be here too. But depending on you know which coach and which position group you get rid of, you have to make a hire that that just looks better. Like this guy is a better qualified guy it's not you can't just roll the dice again on somebody because we're still in that like that will logins like we're okay all right he wasn't a big name he wasn't what everybody expected you give him a year with spencer rattler obviously it seems like he got the most out of that for the situation that was on the field especially with the o-line but i don't think you can just go out there and get just some dude you know (laughs) it's gonna have to be an obvious improvement with a body of work behind it i think to back it up and i get it man i mean a lot of people just because they're able to you just throw stuff out and say why couldn't this happen when uh before they hired lamont paris and usc had a men's basketball opening guy wrote me and said mark few make him say no i'm like (laughs) Buddy, I think that decision is going to be made long before you ever pick up that phone call, you know? I mean, can't you just hear that? Mark Few, can I help you? Yeah, Coach, this is South Carolina. Hello? Hello? Come on now. you got to be realistic about this kind of stuff. So right now, I mean, obviously I know a lot lot of the slings and arrows came to the defense this year, and deservedly so. That defense through the first eight games of this year was awful. And especially with you knew that the front seven or front six in that scheme might be kind of shaky because of the guys they lost. But I said, well, it's okay. The secondary, experienced guys, good guys, they're gonna they're gonna pace it. Well, what happened? The secondary was bad for the first eight games. Now, to Clayton White's credit, he made a switch and it worked the last four games. And as for the last a bit of unpleasantness that happened last Saturday, in no way, shape, or form can that be pinned on him. You old team three field goals, you need to win that football game. And that's not the defense's fault, you know. So you look at it and say, did that last month overcome? You know, what happened eight games for it? Hmm, I don't know. I mean, was it entirely the defense's fault that they didn't play that well in the, in the first eight games? Eh, you see it? That Florida game, ooh, they're going to be wearing that one for a while for sure. Yeah. But a lot of factors that go into that and say, well, he did make the move. Say, could you have made it before? Yeah, you could have, but maybe you didn't. And as for, you know, the 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 season opening performance, it's kind of like the offensive line. All you have to go on is your preseason camp. 
If those were your five best linemen, okay, they were doing their best against the defense. Was that your best defense? Yeah, they were doing the best against the offense. Well, they got out there against North Carolina. What happened? O-line was horrendous. Nine sacks? Ugh. Can't have it. Just cannot have it. So, And then, of course, a lot of people are also asking, what about the strength coach? I mean, that, that was pretty pretty uh, you know, consistent. Everybody kept getting hurt. I'm like, yeah. When it's soft tissue injuries, hamstrings, and things of that nature, you need to make a move. That's preventable. Will Muschamp did that with Jeff Dillman. Said, this, this can't happen again. As I wrote midseason when all these O-line injuries kept popping up, you can go back to 17 and count each single year, 17 on up to this year. And it's not only been injuries, it's been injuries to one spot. One year it's quarterbacks. One year it was DBs. One year it was wide receivers. This year it was the offensive line. And it wasn't soft tissue, guys. It was sprained ankles. It was knees. Things that happened like that. It's like, I don't know if that's a result of conditioning, because if it was, wouldn't the whole team be affected by that? Right. Wouldn't they? So I don't know. If you had do you have to make a decision there? I saw that Vanderbilt fired their strength coach because they were concerned about the rash of injuries. But that's Vanderbilt. So that's those are a couple of positions that have been stressed to me, like, hey, I'd like to see a change here. That's by fans. We'll see if the coaches actually do that, if Shane Beamer actually think there's a need to do that. But right now, everybody's intact, everybody's recruiting, everybody's doing what they can to get ready for next year. That could change. We'll see. But as we all know, there's a long time between now and spring practice. I do um, I do find it interesting, by the way, on the Gamecocks online um, roster, the mm-hmm. 2024 coaching staff lists one coach, <laughs> Beamer. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I <laughs> – just whatever. Everybody's got to, you know, group there. Last I checked, Shane didn't can everybody in the building, right? I just want to make sure that's okay. Uh, no, by the way, let's not report text from right, coach about three minutes ago. Should I hit him up and be like, hey, dude, or is everything cool? You know, yeah, right? <laughs> he would have answered it if, <laughs> if it was, wasn't still working there. Well, no, I love it. JC was saying yesterday, was like, I do know that Hardesty was in the facility in his office all day the day before. And then you still yeah. had people. It was like take that long to pack up a desk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is the twenty. Yeah, this is interesting. The twenty twenty four football roster. Shane Beamer. Hey, there's no players, no coaches, nothing. So Shane's safe. Everybody else, I don't know. Um, by the way, the the assistant strength coach is uh, Jamil Walker, who mm. came from Arkansas. Uh, he was actually up for this job before. Luke Day got it. So that's just kind of an FYI. You're going to have guys in their basement with strings running from pictures and maps and stuff. (laughs) All this offseason. I mean, I I saw, of course, knowing Brad pretty well, I know he wouldn't tell tales out of school, but the first thought that came in my head, like, that doesn't make much sense if you're sitting where I am, but that's what we're here for. I'm trying to track it right now and we'll see, but. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know about that one. Well, you don't ever and you don't ever count out Auburn. You never count out Auburn and you never count out Hugh Freeze. Um, but I could also I could see why both would fit for KJ Jefferson. I really could. But I mean, I, I and I want to move on to basketball with you, David, because they're six and zero and they they need to get the spotlight here. But 
Um, but I will say this. I mentioned at the top of the program, if you're South Carolina, you just watched your, your, your program go to five and seven. Um, injuries crushed you. Depth crushed you. The portal last year crushed you. you. If you're Shane, and I don't care who's on the staff, you have absolutely you got to communicate with your players. They have, I'm not saying anything that they don't know. Obviously, I'm just saying this into the camera. I'm saying it out loud here. Your players who are on your roster have to understand you are going to recruit over them. You have to do it because you have got to protect yourself in this day and age. It ain't like the old days where if you decide to transfer, you're going to wait to let the NCAA decide whether you're eligible to do it or not. You're eligible. If you haven't done it, you can go. And if you have done it and you've graduated, guess what? You can still go. So, And, and you don't want to get Marshawn Lloyd again. Last year, Marshawn Lloyd was good. He goes home. He leaves. Never shows back up. Screws his roommate over. So, like, th- this stuff – it, it, the, the world that we're living in, these coaches who are getting fired in year one, fired in year two, fired in year three, they have to be able – they have to go out. And when there's a really good player, it doesn't matter the position that wants to come play for you, you you have to talk to them. And if you can sign them or can afford to, you got to do it because we just saw what happens if you don't, A, have enough good players, mm-hmm. and B, replace the good players that leave. Yeah, it's it's the new normal, uh, Jamie. And of course, you know, traditionalist guys like us who grew up with it and you say you just don't want that to happen. I mean, I've long said the kids no. need to get a little more than, than scholarship and room and board. But now it's just a case of like you knew as soon as the NCAA lost that Supreme Court case, you knew it was happening because what did they do? They didn't say, all right, well, we're going to take a look at this and we're going to have a solution. They didn't think to have a plan in place just in case. Now, they said, we're going to win. Don't worry. So when they lost, what they do? Hey, uh, kids can get paid for their name, image, likeness now. Schools, handle it. You handle it. Right. That was it. So, of course, what did everybody start doing? Hey, you want to come play for me? Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. No, 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 you can't do that. Sorry, you just said we could. You can't put the mm-hmm. toothpaste back in the tube. So now everybody's, of course, trying to rein it in. States have passed laws that said even if the NCAA passes something to regulate NIL, we're not going to listen to it. That's what you have. And it's got to be so frustrating as a coach because you can say, well, you know, we'll get, get some NIL, but you're powerless to do that. You can't give it to them from your own pocket. You have to have the people who are interested in your school, meaning the donors and the boosters, they got to give it. So how do you do that? You know, you can say, oh, well, look at that, but you have no power about doing that. So you have to realize it's like this is just what you're going to have to deal with. And, of course, Shane said, hey, I I love the NIL program here. Of course, we need more. He's not talking bad about the folks that do give to USC NIL. It's just saying that it's never going to end. You're always going to have to have more because there's always going to be a highest bidder. And, you guys knew it. You mentioned Marshawn Lloyd. Yeah, same thing. He told, I'm coming back. Cool. Think you ain't got to worry about that kid, right? And next thing you know, he's gone. So it's something that you're going to have to constantly deal with. And the problem is, is that you can't really see it coming. You know who your best players are. You know who might get contacted. But even as much as they might say, Coach, I'm with you. I'm there. We just, you know, we got to talk about this and get the, the T's crossed and the I's dotted. They can leave at any time. So you just have to deal with it when it comes, roll with the punch, and say, all right, didn't expect that to happen. Now we got to go make it better. But that's what's got to drive Shane Beamer and every other coach just 
batty. You can't control it. You, you can't. There's no way that you can get your arms fully around it and say, all right, we've got this hand. So you just hope that the kids are happy with what they're getting, but there's always going to be a highest bidder. And, you know, they're in these homes and they know how to recruit these kids and never underestimate a family of a kid saying, we really need you to do this for me. You put it on a 19, 20 year old kid to take care of their family. That is hard to turn down if you're that age. Yeah. I know if it had happened to me, I'd have said, yeah. I mean, what do you need me to do? Right. I'll do it. But that's the thing. I mean, it's it's the new world. It's not ever going back to what it was. And I know people like, well, you know, buying kids, buying players has always been going on. Yeah, I know. But not to this <laughs> level. Not to the level where it's like, how much? Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll meet that. We'll go over that. And, you know. Again, not to mention the the, the, the current situation was like, oh, South Carolina and Auburn could be in there. Hmm. How's that going in recruiting wars past? Yeah, not well, generally. But the Gamecocks, if they do get them, they would be two for two in this cycle because they did just flip Jalua Solomon. So, you know, maybe things are, are, are turning, David. I don't know. But um, it's where we are, and it's about to be sleepless nights for guys like you and I, I, I go to sleep anyways. I, I'm not really that worried about it. So I mean, I, I got used to this, uh, you know, when, when <laughs> I guess it was, oh, geez, going way back, 14, 13 years ago. There was a good five-year stretch there where I had to keep the phone by the bed because I knew, knew that at least once a week I'd get a text message at 1 or 2 in the morning. Hey, you boys down here, you better come take a look. I'll let you figure out who your boy was. <laughs> but it was somebody around here that played football and had a penchant for hell raising. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a good kid. He's a good dude, though. He just liked to have fun. Hey, that kid left. I got my first good night's sleep in years. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> DC on the basketball front. I got. I've got to say. I'm going to spice this up. Okay, y'all ready for this? I've been. I've been waiting on this all morning. South Carolina has the second best record in college basketball. They're undefeated at six and zero. Houston is seven and zero. The Gamecocks are right behind them after winning last night. And if they beat George Washington on Friday, and if Clemson beats Pitt on the road this weekend, early ACC matchup there, we could. And this is going to be up to guys like you to do the research because I ain't doing it. We could have a top twenty-five Clemson South Carolina basketball matchup at Porta Little John Coliseum next week in the Upstate. That would be something. And you forgot to mention, you're talking about the men's teams. That's, that's, oh, yeah. That's right. Right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, but obviously very exciting time, Jamie. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are asking me, like, why aren't you writing about it more? I'm like, I am writing about it. It's just, you know, there's a lot else going on with football and all that. But being at the game last night, seeing that team win, they're 6-0 and now. And, yes, you are correct in saying that, well, they haven't really beaten much of anybody. At this point, who cares? It's just fun to see South Carolina men's basketball winning. It's fun to see that gym full. It's fun to see them go out and play hard because they played hard last year, but the season was a wash from the start, so nobody came out to watch them. And I, I get that. That is perfectly fine. But now it's just fun to see them winning, and it's fun to see them have that. And speaking of what could be, I don't know if it will be a top 25 matchup just because I don't think both will get enough votes to get into the next poll when it comes out on Monday, but they are both receiving votes. 
Yep. You know, Clemson went on the road, beat Alabama last night, which is damned impressive. Yeah. And Clemson's got a really good team. They should have made the tournament last year, but you know, I had one, one too many bad losses. South Carolina though is playing well. They've got some guys. Um, yes, it's one thing to where they're kind of stapled to one way of winning. Going to shoot the three. Going to shoot the three. Well, they didn't make many threes last night, but they made up for it from the free throw line, and they yep. won comfortably. Yep. Yep. So it's good to see that team winning. It's fun to have games to care about, especially in this stretch of, of uh, December where the kids will be leaving campus. It's Always great to go to a basketball game over Christmas break, fellas, and the students come back just to see him play before they go back home to finish their break. And that's what they're looking at. Student section was outstanding last night. Uh, if you didn't read the quote from Notre Dame's coach, uh, Micah Shrewsbury, he's like he said, man, I'm, I don't know much about the history of South Carolina basketball, but I've seen them play before and there was nobody in the stands. So we're out there for warm-ups and doors open. I saw them kids coming in. I said, oh, sending them for crap. I mean, the kids made their presence felt, and that's what was good. So it's good to see this team win, to be playing well, to be playing confident, having fun. And, yeah, it would it um, no matter what, it's going to be a great game up in Clemson on December the 6th. But if both of them are undefeated, which USC has George Washington on Friday, and I'm not sure who the tiger – Pitt, you said, at Pitt? Yeah, there is Pitt. Yeah, that's a tough game, but I think that they should win that game. Yeah, they would uh, – that, that would be a, a definite slobber knocker up there in, uh, in Clemson. You know, I, I don't know about you two, but I thought last night early in the game you could feel the layoff. Uh, they just – they were settling a little bit, kind of firing them up there, and it just nothing not, – I'm not going to say they didn't have energy. They had energy, but but it just just didn't look like it had looked because this team has been attacking all season, yeah. just attacking, attacking, and, and they just couldn't get it going, but – they had to kind of get back into the groove, and, and you mentioned it. They, they finally did kind of find a way to slip back into it. Uh, you were – I wasn't there. I was just able to watch it on TV. You mentioned the atmosphere. I know there was a little over 15,000, I think, is what actually made it through mm-hmm. the doors last night. So, describe that atmosphere. It's been a while since we've seen that in November. Yeah, it was terrific, man. Uh, you know, the students, they're, they're in that section right at midcourt, uh, right behind us, and then the whole end zone. Uh, I was pleased to see that USC did do a good thing of – you know, the student section has limited seats and the overflow, because it's first come, first serve, they put them in the upper deck. I was glad to see that last night, I think it was either at 10 minutes in the first half or maybe halftime. They said, hey, if you guys want to come down and find an empty seat, go ahead. That's a really good thing to do. And that's what they need to do. And I know a lot of people are saying, hey, you know, we, we need to have students ring in the court. I agree with you. You do. Yeah. But those seats have already been sold. So if that happens, it ain't going to happen this year. I, I, I realize it, and I would like it too, but that's just not going to happen, not for a while. So it's great to see all the kids there on their feet, uh, you know, especially in the second half. Now what I want to see is that all game, standing up the whole game, making noise, causing a ruckus, you know, talking junk to the other player, the opponents. That's, that's the kind of thing that really makes a hostile atmosphere, and that's what you want to have. But the rest of the crowd, nothing against them. They were terrific too. They were standing up. They were pointing at the officials. You know, they were they were talking to Notre Dame. Right during the last uh, couple of minutes of the game, John Whittle, sitting beside me on press row, actually pointed out, I was like, I think the Notre Dame coach is like yapping with a fan. And I looked over, and there was an exchange going on. I thought, hmm, <laughs> might, might want to watch that, Michael, old pal, because that's, that's not going to get you anywhere but trouble. But yeah. 
that's what's great to see, man. I mean, just fans up there enjoying it, having a great positive basketball atmosphere. And I know people are like, hey, man, they've had that for women's for years. I'm like, yeah, but it's a different crowd. It really is a different crowd. But it's great. It's great to see Colonial jumping, and, and it's great to have a good basketball team to watch. Carolina now currently 64 in the Ken Palm ratings. Uh, George Washington up next. Uh, they're down there. It should be a win for the Gamecocks. The Tigers at 35 after that victory last night over uh, Alabama. And before we let you go, obviously what's going on on the other side of basketball at South Carolina is more kind of the same. It's a pissed-off Don Staley coach women's basketball program that's done nothing but run through everybody all year long. D.C., I, I have, we haven't had a chance to talk to you. So uh, since they've started playing, so I'm just going to ask you uh, this big, bold question that you probably have been asked a hundred times. Is this the most talented team she's had since she's been here? That's that's very, very hard to answer. And just because I've seen other rosters that were bigger and had, had more players. I mean, right now the one that really comes to mind is actually the 13, 14 team the year before Asia got in there before Hmm. now. That team won 29 games, and that team was astoundingly good. And then the very next year, you get Aja on there, and you're like, that's just talent. I mean, stocked up and down the lineup, and not that this team doesn't, but this team has 11 players, and really only nine are are in the the top rotation. That's including Tessa Johnson when she returns from that that foot injury. But they play a different brand of basketball. They're very exciting to watch. They're very fun to watch. Of course, everybody said, hold on, let me get this straight. We lost all five starters off of a team that's been to three straight Final Fours and were better? Like, I'm not going to say that, you know, they were better than the team because we're only five games in, but they are certainly very, very talented and very good. They play a different brand than the team that was in here the last four years. And if a lot of, some, and a lot of folks want to say, what's well, more fun to watch? I, I can see that, but – it was awful fun winning all the time, too, <laughs> the last yeah. four years. So this team's winning now. They got uh, two big matchups this week at North Carolina on Thursday, at Duke on Sunday. But the way that they have come out to start this season, I'm not surprised that they won. I am surprised by how they won and how dominant they have looked. I mean, they are just going at it and just taking the fight right to the, the other teams, and they're, they're beating teams in different ways. So it's really good to see because I thought it might be a little bit of like, okay, you got to work yourself in. And I, I've been the first to say there might be, might be a couple times this year they get their butts trashed. That's fine. You don't have to be undefeated to win a national title. Unfortunately, we all found that out last year. Mm-hmm. But this team, I'll put it this way, fellas, because I've said it before and it hasn't jinxed anything. After the Maryland game, second game of the year, I said, you know what? Let's go ahead and make a hotel reservation in Cleveland for April. Let's just go ahead. That's right. <laughs> yes, it's fully refundable. I oh, need yeah. to make that clear. But so were the last ones in Dallas and in San Antonio. And I forget where it was. Oh, it was in New Orleans in 20. And then, of course, COVID, I didn't end up going. Right. Yeah, but I used all those. So, well, I got a feeling you're going to be well on your way. The. Uh, Gamecocks will be b- back on the floor tomorrow night at 7 on ESPN. In Chapel in Ch- Hill. Chapel Hill, taking on the Tar Heels. The 24th-ranked Tar Heels, who are actually coming in on a two-game losing streak, being defeated by 
16th ranked Kansas State, and then this past Sunday upset by Florida Gulf Coast, 65 to 64. Carolina back to back road trips there, and then they got to go to Durham take on Duke mm-hmm. next week. So yeah, it's gonna be an interesting trip on Tobacco Road. Of course, they've been playing Duke for a while in the series. It's just the way this one worked out because it's uh guys were an ACC SEC challenge last night. This is the women's version on Thursday. Yeah, this is uh, this is gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. What a great it's, it's always fun when Gamecock basketball is playing well and uh, certainly is fun when you don't get to go to a bowl and hopefully they'll fill the gaps for us, as you just mentioned a little bit ago. We'll, we'll let you run on that, D.C. Wood. Uh, before you go, what do you have in the paper coming up here in the next few days? Well, I got my research done on it yesterday, so it'll be Saturday, not to spoil the surprise. But obviously it's, uh, it's bad when Spencer Rattler has such a tremendous individual season, but the team maybe doesn't have the greatest year. It'll be a story channeling on that with some other quarterbacks that have tried that same path. The postandcourier.com where you can subscribe, download the app. You can just read it every morning while you're getting ready or whatever you're doing. Dave, man, it's good to see you. I'm glad to have you back. You're so good at it. It'll be a fun weekend. Got some basketball, and on Sunday, well, unfortunately, my beloved Northwestern Trojans will not be playing for state this year. Mm. The topic, we'll get into it another time. Still got some feelings about it. But uh, Sunday, 425, San Francisco 49ers at Philadelphia. (laughs) There you go. I'm not going to make any promises. I'm just hoping I get to see a complete game this year. Are you and Don going neck and neck on this thing or what? (laughs) So last year they were playing the NFC Championship the same day the ladies were at Alabama. I went to that game. And the championship game started right as the basketball game was finishing. So I kept my jacket zipped up, did the post game, went up to her on zip, Don. Go Niners, go. She's like, oh, okay, I get it. And, of course, right after that, Brock Purdy's elbow got turned into lettuce. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully we'll have a little bit better result this time. That would be, that's going to be a good, great game. That would be a great game. Go Niners, go. DC, have a wonderful weekend, man. Take care, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank, thank thanks, brother. You. David Cloninger, Post and Courier. Matt Anderson up next here on ITG. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome to Palm Casual Patio Furniture. Because we are the factory, Palm Casual has the ability to offer the highest quality outdoor furniture paired with world-class service. Since 1979, our factory showrooms have done our best to make the buying process as easy as possible for our customers. Our understanding of the many factors that go into your decision has helped us create our 30-day trial period that increases the level of comfort our customers feel during the shopping experience. Visit us in Somerville and online at palmcasual.com. Gamecock owned and operated. Michael Campbell arrived at South Carolina in 2003 after growing up in Virginia and was dubbed the Winchester Rifle by Gamecock's great Tommy Moody in the broadcast booth. He left in 2006 a legend, a career 315 hitter and 20th round draft pick of the San Diego Padres 
Campbell was first all-time in games played at bats and triples, second all-time in hits with 299 singles and total bases, third all-time in doubles, top 10 in runs scored and RBI, and he hit 31 home runs in his career for the Gamecocks. Now he's passing his knowledge to the next generation through his business, Soup's Swing Shop. If your son or daughter wants to improve their game, Soup's Swing Shop offers virtual lessons. Mike will connect with you, diagnose your swing, and create a special game plan to help improve it. Call him at 859-414-8240. Email soupsswingshop at gmail.com or find them on social media and on the Chief Sports app. Soup's Swing Shop. Play ball. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned and operated. the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios. It's the holiday season, powered by our friends at Electric Bikes of Charleston, electricbikescharleston.com. So check this out. You could ride in style with a drink in your hand if you want to. You don't actually have to have one, but you could on one of those electric bikes right now between $200 and $600 off. Mm -hmm. They're not cheap. I mean, like, we're not selling you a Huffy from Walmart. These are real electric bikes like the good ones Vinton bikes magnum bikes all those really really good ones that come with really really good warranties and really really good service you can get all that at electricbikescharleston.com for up to six hundred dollars off it could be for you it could be for your kids whatever the case is there's nobody that knows them better than michelle and her entire family at electric bikes of charleston you don't have to be in the low country i promise you that electrobiteschcharleston.com. Thank you to the Wilkins family. They're wonderful partners here 
And we know they're busy this holiday season, uh, but uh, make sure you check out, check with them to get that big gift under the tree this year. All right, uh, Matt Anderson joining us here from the late night Gamecock show. Matt, we've got uh, football, we've got basketball. Uh, Carolina is now 6-0. and We'll slip back into hoops here in just a few moments, but some early reports uh, coming from our friend Brad Crawford at 24-7 Sports that K.J. Jefferson is now in the portal, although K.J. Jefferson has denied that he's in the portal, but apparently he's going into the portal. I don't know. But if he does enter the portal, South Carolina and Auburn appear to be the top two suitors for his services. What would you make of that, man? I'm glad to have you. Hope you're well. Yeah, good to have you. Good to be back with you guys. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Um, Obviously, the weekend could have been better. But um, that's just how it goes sometimes. Um, when it comes to KJ Jefferson, I mean, you look at that that quarterback room right now, and look, I'm from Florence. I love me some Lenore Sellers. I think that everybody wants to see Lenore sooner rather than later. But you know, there's some rumors Tanner Bailey might be on the move. You got Colton Gauthier, who's been there forever, but he's not the answer at quarterback for you know to run the gauntlet in an SEC schedule. You got Dante Reno coming in, true freshman. That quarterback room could be looking pretty bare here in a, in just a just a few months or days even when the transfer portal opens. So I don't know how a, a reasonable South Carolina football fan can say, "Nah, I'm good." Now KJ Jefferson, you you, you go somewhere else. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't see how you can say no to it. I don't know what the situation would be. I, I mean, he's not coming here to to ride the pine. I mean, I, he he's not going to go anywhere as a as a transfer to, you know, hold a clipboard, but uh, competition breeds excellence. I'm a big fan of that. And, you know, who knows what's going on with Lenoris's shoulder too. I mean, that might be banged up a little bit. He might need some rehab time. You might need some quarterbacks just to get through spring practice at this point. Yeah. Well, look, man, I think it's pretty simple. <clears throat> I think you want is the best competition you can have in every room that you've got. Period. I mean, I mean, I, I'm again, I'm not so sure that, um, that we don't have to, they just finished five and seven. I mean, injuries and transfers since last December were the major contributors to that. Am I wrong? So like, if you've got a difference maker at any position, why would you not attempt to go sign them? I think that, you know, for a lot of fans, and, and I was like this for a really, really long time, you know, it's it's almost like playing video games. You get that five-star recruit on NCAA football and he's a freshman, and he has a 94 speed rating, and you can't wait to play with him. It doesn't matter if he has an 82 rating. The other guy has a 94 rating. You're going to play with your favorite. And I think that people often forget that, you know, to your point, JB, exactly, the best players need to play and you got to find the best players and there's nothing bad about having competition. I mean, in, in your personal life and your work life, you know, do you want somebody who just coasts who can just coast? No, like Spencer Rattler earned the, earned the right to be the starting quarterback this year. And every year he was at South Carolina and KJ Jefferson would have to earn that right as well. If he came to South Carolina, the same goes for the North sellers, but you want to be pushed and you don't. And I mean, I'm, I've said for a long time, I thought that South Carolina had one of the better quarterback rooms in the country last season. And if something did happen to Spencer, I thought they would be adequate in replacing Spencer. I mean, the question I have is what happens with Luke Doty? Is he going to go to wide receiver full-time in that type of situation? Is he still going to be bouncing around the quarterback room? But yeah, you take KJ Jefferson and you take any player that can make your team 
better. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a no-brainer. I think, too, Phil and I were talking about this at the top of the program. We just mentioned it with D.C. I think it would show you the direction that they're trying to go in with this offense as well um, because um, there are there is another quarterback transfer out of the SEC West that a couple of weeks ago I was informed had interest in our program here at South Carolina. I say ours, the, the Gamecocks football program. Uh, different style quarterback than both Lenore Sellers and K.J. Jefferson. And it didn't appear, at least to my knowledge, that the interest was mutual. It, it was to an extent, but not, hey, this is you know something that we're really after here. With that said, it, it looks like this, this program on the offensive side of the football under Coach Loggins and under Coach Beamer they want to go to something that gives the quarterback an extra weapon. Um, and I don't mean that disrespectfully in it at all to Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler is phenomenal. I mean, he's the best He's the best I've ever seen wear that uniform. Um, but I don't know that you'd call him a dual-threat quarterback. I'm not sure that he'd call himself that. And so if you are able to have a couple of guys in that room who give you multiple options when the ball is snapped and things don't go well like we watched for 12 games this year, being able to have one other weapon out there probably would be uh, a little bit more helpful and would suit this this football team a little bit better. I think that, you know, that weapon you talk about, it's not just scrambling out of the pocket. You know, the quarterback's first objective is to throw the football and complete a pass. But there are, you know, we saw the offensive line last year. Can we say the offensive line is going to be better this year? Um, short yardage situations. You know, the Gamecocks needed help there this year. And, you know, KJ Jefferson, Lenore Sellers is a big body back there that can push help push that pile and can can get short yardage um, in short yardage situations. But I think on top of that, play eleven on eleven football. You know, make the field stretch the field out and make them defend everybody and make them put a spy in to guard the, to, to you know watch out for the quarterback run. You see that more and more. And I think if you have a quarterback, a better athlete at quarterback, obviously you, you should you should do that <laughs> as long as the arm talent is equal. Yeah. Well, going back to the Clemson game, uh, Matt, since we haven't uh, spoken with you, you know, <clears throat> it was um, – they they got beat They got beat by a better football team. They really didn't deserve to win the game. Uh, you you say things – we all say things like when you hold a an offense to three field goals, you should win. That's true. You should. Uh, but, um, but Carolina literally did nothing – on the offensive side of the ball, and then you go back, you take this season back even further than that, and it really exploits what happened at the end of the Florida game. I mean, it was just from day one, everything this year, every single thing in in Gamecock football was a grind uh, to get to where they were at five wins. You honestly, I mean, I'm I'm looking back at the Kentucky game and going, how did they win it? I, I don't even know how really they won that game. They won it with defense and a couple of big plays on offense. Uh, so, you know, w- w- as you summarize the season, falling back to your rival once again, y- y- you, Matt, this team, this program right now in the space that it is, and hopefully this changes, and, I, and I'm confident that it will. Only 10 years ago, it was a little bit different. But right now where they are, they have got to win three to four games a year to have a special season that they're not expected to win. Okay, those are that's just what it is. They're going to be expected to win three or four games every year, probably three non-cons, and then Vanderbilt, maybe one other, maybe five. And then after that, you're going to have that group of games that 
their you know flip games if you want to call them that um swing games you know, you know swing games way, whatever you want to call them stuff. and then you're going to have some games where they're just not expected to win them um so you, you got to find three or four wins in that group to have a special season at, at South Carolina which would equate to nine wins or more and uh you know they got one of those swing games this year in Kentucky and outside of that they just beat the teams they were supposed to beat yeah, I mean, I would even throw Mississippi State in there to a swing game that they were able to you know, get a victory in. But, you know, the A&M, you know, Jimbo Fisher just got fired, y'all. Everything wasn't, you know, great at A&M. And, you know, we all know what happened in that second quarter. You talk about the Florida debacle. Um, South Carolina should have won that football game. Um, yeah, it's, it's, this season was almost like the the kids' book, Alexander and the Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. I mean, it kind of – it kind of ended as it started with Spencer Rattler running for his life. And, you know, it makes me appreciate what Spencer did over the course of the entire season more when I reflect back on where it started and where it finished with that offensive line. And, and JC said it a bunch that he doesn't think those guys are healthy. And obviously they didn't have the talent level to allow, you know, the Gamecocks to get much of a run game going. You look back on the season. And I think it's one of those seasons where if you ever played sports, you took your lumps this year. Um, some things became very clear that you need to work on. You take the off season and you try and improve on all of those things. And, you know, right now it's the first time in my life I can remember being able to flip a room in an off season. I mean, this time, you know, last year, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, start of this season, we talked about the tight end room getting flipped in one off season. Um, you talk about, you talk about a lot of things, but I think at this point, you know, South Carolina has to find a way to regroup, um, you know, bond together figure out what they need to do to improve and go do it because this is the type of season that, you know, defines a team's long-term future. Can you get up off the mat? And in some ways, I think this is a good season for South Carolina. They're having to go through that right now because, you know, with the turnover luck they had in the past, you know, get into bowl games when I can't say at any point, I felt like the Gamecocks were dominant previous two seasons. I thought that we were very fortunate and, you know, you can't be lucky all the time. At some point, you got to prove that you are good, and that's what South Carolina's going to have to do this offseason and next year. Yeah, I, when you compare the the year threes, guys, Phil, I want to make sure you know you get in on this too. You go back and you look at year three under Coach Muschamp uh, back in 2018, and that season turned when they uh, when they lost to Florida as well in 2018. If you if you remember that game. That's where things kind of shifted. They were up 30 – what was the score? 30, 31 to 14 in the swamp. It got beat 35-31. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't that? Didn't, didn't Florida score 21 straight points in that game? All right, and, and that, that kind of sh- – they did go to a bowl game, but it kind of changed the trajectory of where it was going because in 2017 they won nine games and you felt like, well, maybe they can get back there again. You go back to year three under Coach Spurrier, and in 2007 they opened the year six and one, and then they we were just talking to Pat about this on Monday. They get beat by Vanderbilt when they're number six in the in the nation, and they proceed to lose five straight, including that final game against Clemson. They finish with a 500 record. They don't go to a bowl game, and then you know Coach Spurrier at the end of that season is contemplating whether really this is even for him. Alabama's calling. I mean, you got all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, luckily, back then you didn't have this thing called the transfer portal, but um, so you know you're able to keep some guys in the house and 
it, but you also lost a lot of guys that year. If you remember, there's a lot of dudes that declared to go on to the NFL, and we were like, what are you doing? You're, you know, E. Cook was one of them. Um, so you look, go back and look at your – year threes are really strange for college football coaches. Coach Sweeney's year three was in 2010, technically, and they took over halfway through 2008. And, and they finished here, I think, six and seven. Um, year threes are strange. Does anybody have a reason why that is? I've never been able to put a put a thumb on it. It's got to be a number of things, I would think. You know, I, I think the most obvious is you're getting the last group of players from the old coach out and your players in and developed uh, from that freshman season that you, you know, that that and, and remember with Beamer, it was a light signing class. I mean, in that first year. So, you know, it's kind of expected. You're making these transitions. Uh, I don't know. Any number of things could be said about most champs year three, this, you know, bad offensive coordinators and, <laughs> you know, two in a row right there. Um, but I think, I, I think mainly it's just you're, because your program is in transition, you know, still. Where you're getting you're 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 getting out. Not that these players are bad, but they were brought in to be those guys in different you know situations, different you know schemes and things of that yeah. nature. And now you're getting your guys in at this point. Um, but I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into it because I mean, just look how you know this team has been recruiting you know well on like the offensive line side of things and you're trying to get as much on the defensive side of things as you can that Georgia doesn't steal away from you um, from a trenches perspective but uh, I think that it's reasonable to assume that this team will take a step forward not just in the way that we view it on the field next year but even from a record perspective uh, and that might be, you know, looking back on it, I was thinking about this last night is what if you went seven and five this year uh, and then, you know, ended up getting into a bowl game, not knowing who would be there and who wouldn't be there and ended up say seven and six, or, you know, even if you went eight and five and then rolled out a six and six year in the new SEC format, then, you know, people are going to get, would be real upset. Oh, you've taken a step back, this, that, and the other, you know, so it's like, at least at this point with the five and seven behind you, uh, a 500 season next year is going to mean more than a regular six and six year, just because you've got the changes to the schedule that, you know, are inevitable at this point that are already in place. And JB, you know, you see this across multiple sports. It's not just football in year three. Um, there's so much from a culture standpoint that you're trying to ingrain and I, I can't imagine how much more difficult that is with transfers, the way they go, go in and out of programs nowadays, because, you know, to Phil's point, Beamer had to retool through the transfer portal because of that first recruiting class. Um, there weren't a lot of guys that were brought in and, you know, you can only have these one year stop gaps so often before you don't have anything behind them. Um, and I think that, you know, that's the danger of the transfer portal, but, Year threes are always tough. They really are. And it's all about how you bounce back from them. And to Bill's point, I think that you can you can expect a, a better Gamecock football team next year. Now, is that going to equate to eight wins? I don't know about that. But I do think six and six, the next year's schedule, 
and seeing improvement is enough for Gamecock fans to get back on board because a lot of people are just mad right now. Yeah, sure. They're yeah, and I get it. They're most, look, this, yeah, hey, look, man, they're, they're five and seven. They're not a bowl game. I mean, like it's yeah, it's it's and you lo- losing that Florida game, getting beat by Clemson like that at the end of the year. I mean, it all makes sense. I understand why people are frustrated. I mean, what's important is understanding what the fixes are and doing it or doing the, as much of that as you possibly can. I've never been one that looks to the next year and the next schedule and and drowns myself over that thing. I just don't because there's just so many things that can change. Number one, you don't know where all those games are going to fall just yet. Number two, you don't know what those teams are going to look like when you get there. Uh, you know, there's just a lot that happens between now and then, so I don't get all hopped up in it. It's more about what can South Carolina do to improve South Carolina. And currently right now it does appear that the transfer portal needs to be their best friend over the next few weeks. And then, you know, certainly if there are any coaching changes and things like that. But also, they just need to get healthy and they need to develop. I mean, like, you know, that, that that's one of the things that I was a little bit disappointed with at times this year is seeing the development of certain guys, um, watching things change when it was inevitable that they needed to change and everybody kind of understood that that needed to happen. Uh, you know, Mario Anderson's a great example. That defense is a great example. It, it took a while. And then on the flip side of that, you got Travian Robertson, who's in, uh, in in charge of personnel. T.J. Sanders goes in, flashes against Georgia, and he's like, well, you earned it. You're playing every day. I don't care how you've been practicing. You're awesome. You know, so, like, they need to figure that out, man. You know, and, and we'll see where where they can go because they're certainly going to need some wins early in the year. All right, hey, we need to step aside, Matt. Um, we – Certainly have more basket. We got a lot of basketball to get to with you here in just a minute. Gamecocks now six and zero, so I want to get your thoughts on that, and we'll continue to hit on some football as well. So don't go anywhere. It's the lunch hour here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show, and we will be right back. Hey, folks, it's JB, and as we all know, it's football season. My favorite place to shop for myself and the family is Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. They have the widest selection of Gamecocks attire, plus all the cool accessories for tailgating, cooking, kids, shoes, hats, and so much more. Most importantly for me, you can order online at GamecockTraditions.com, and it's shipped timely to your door. I've been shopping here for years, and I hope you will too. Order online right now on the Chief Sports app. Go Gamecocks. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include a variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. 
Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nanasporch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to Elite Roofing. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Inside the Gamecocks show. Welcome back. Matt Anderson joining us. We are powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. ElectricBikesCharleston.com this holiday season. Make sure you uh, check them out. Check them out for anything from children to adults. What a great gift uh, this time of the year. Electric Bikes of Charleston. All right. In the ACC SEC Challenge. Kentucky beat Miami last night. I guess you could call that an upset. Upset. It was the kind of the premier matchup of day one of this thing. Twelfth ranked Kentucky, the eighth ranked Hurricanes. Wildcats whipped them, twenty-two point victory up there in Rupp Arena. Georgia Tech got the best of twenty-first ranked Mississippi State. Clemson got the best of twenty-third ranked Alabama. So the SEC West uh, struggling a little bit there in those couple of games. Gamecocks, of course beat Notre Dame, Syracuse took down uh, LSU, Missouri beat Pittsburgh, and Ole Miss defeated NC State. So the SEC holds a 4-3 to three advantage right now over the ACC in the challenge. Today, or this evening's games, leads off at 7-15 on ESPN. 10th-ranked Tennessee, 17th-ranked North Carolina. Uh, that one, the Tar Heels are just one-and-a-half-point favorites in the ball game. 14th-ranked Texas A&M is 6-1 on the year. They're on the road at 5-1 Virginia. The Wahoos are small favorites in that game. Florida and Wake Forest will play tonight at 7-15 on ESPNU, where the Gators are 4.5-point favorites in Winston-Salem. 7th-ranked Duke is at Arkansas. Y'all want to bet what that environment's going to be like tonight? Bud Walton is a blast anyways. They're 4-3, and three, and you know dang well they're going to be fired up for the Five and one Blue Devils to walk in there. Nine fifteen is when they'll tip off on ESPN. Vanderbilt and Boston College will also play tonight at nine fifteen on the SEC Network. 
Georgia at 915 is on the road at Florida State. And Auburn and Virginia Tech. VT, of course, was defeated earlier this season by the Gamecocks. They'll take on Bruce Pearl and the Tigers at 915 on ESPN2. Auburn is an eight-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. As it pertains to the game that we covered last night, Carolina and Notre Dame. Matt, I mentioned it earlier to D.C. It felt early on like you could feel the layoff, but then they kind of knocked the rust off and, and were able to pull away late. Yeah, I think there was a little bit of layoff. I think there was also a lot of hype built up around the Gamecock players going into this game. They asked for the stadium to get packed, and maybe there were a little bit of nerves starting out and playing. Probably the first game they played this season in front of a a pretty sizable crowd, Um, and that's an unfortunate thing um, for a lot of the home games. But, um, yeah, I mean, Notre Dame got up to a 10-2 lead with 14-21 left in the first half. Uh, Notre Dame was hitting shots. South Carolina wasn't. Um, but one of the things that I was actually texting with some people last night about is Gamecocks were still getting good looks. They were still running their offense. There was no scrambling. There was nothing that made me think that the Gamecocks wouldn't come back. I actually texted JC probably about 10 minutes ago in the first half and just said, look, Gamecocks are win this game by 10 plus points if their shots just start falling. And, right. you know, yeah. the first half was the Michi Johnson show. And when Michi gets going like that, you kind of just got to let him go. Um, cause sometimes with Michi, it just seems like that, that hoop is eight feet wide. <laughs> Some of the shots that he throws up there and, and there's not a whole lot of switches. I'll tell you that there's a lot of banging around the rim and, and falling through the hoop. But, um, when Michi's seeing the rim like that, you gotta let him go. Um, he ended up with 29 points in the game. I think he had 16 in the first half. I felt bad for him when he missed that free throw with, um, the, the front end of a free throw of two shots. With about two minutes left, I wanted him to get to 30. And you could tell even with about a minute and 14 seconds left, he was begging for the ball back when when he knew that Notre Dame was going to foul. He wanted to get that 30 piece. But, um, yeah, yeah, good game. And, you know, one of the things about this game, I talked about it, you know, Notre Dame made some runs. I always say that basketball is a game of runs. You want to have the best run and you want to have the last run in every single basketball game that you play. Um, but South Carolina did not shoot the ball well from three-point land last night. And Gamecocks were able to, you know, cover a Ken Palm spread against Notre Dame while only shooting 28% from three, um, seven of 25 on the game, got out-rebounded in this game and still won by 12 points. So um, all in all, you know, Notre Dame isn't going to be, you know, Notre Dame of four or five years ago. They have, I think, seven – yeah, seven or eight players that are first year with the program, one, you know, shape, one shape, form, or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, looking at the stats here, Michi Johnson was obviously the MVP. Um, Talon Cooper, um, I thought, played a pretty good game. Um, I was actually looking at this the other day, and I don't know if you guys have looked at this yet or mentioned it. I've talked about it, but how many turnovers do you think Talon Cooper has so far through six games? Uh, it's not many. It, maybe yeah, two. Like two or something. Yeah. Five. Uh, Five. Okay, yeah. Uh, that's even Five. a little bit more than I thought. So, you know, uh, so, Delon, I was trying to help you out. Yeah, I, yeah it's not 31. Many. 31 assists versus five turnovers. Yeah, he is the difference maker this year. Yeah. Um, he yeah, absolutely yeah. is. Uh, BJ Mack probably didn't have his best game of the season. Um, you know, I thought he could have done a little bit more. I thought that he probably could have shot the ball a little bit better from three. Um, he didn't look very confident shooting three last night for me. I mean, he was letting him go but just off his hand, they didn't look that great. But he ended up with 17 points. 
So, you know, one way or another, BJ is going to get his points, and that's what the Gamecocks need. Um, I think that getting Colin back and hopefully – I don't know if he'll play against George Washington, but you know they're going to need him against Clemson because right now Stephen Clark's just not the answer at the moment down on the post. I know he's you know playing a good bit of minutes. Let's say last night he only got five, um, but so far this season he's been playing a lot. But you can see a difference, and Colin's a big, strong kid that's athletic, that can bang around the post. So need to get him back before Clemson, that's for sure. But – yeah, Gamecocks, I mean, some quick notes on the Gamecocks for you real quick. Um, right now, they're ranked in the top 70 in the country in both offensive and defensive adjusted efficiency. Um, that has not been the case at South Carolina for a really long time. Um, you know, Normally, that defensive number under Frank was pretty daggum good, and the offensive number was up in like the 290s or the 300s. <laughs> um, you know, Ken Palm has four factors, and there's four factors that he says, you know, makes or breaks a season is effective field goal percentage, turnover percentage, offensive rebound percentage, and free throws versus field goals attempted. And South Carolina is in the green, which is really good for Ken Palm and all four of those offensive statistics. So mm-hmm. South Carolina, this isn't really smoke and mirrors right now. They're, they're playing good basketball. Yeah. 64th right now in the, in those Ken Palm, Ken Palm basketball rate, uh, Ken Palm basketball ratings, and then you've got George Washington coming up here on Friday, and then you got Clemson, who's at 35. George Washington is down there at 140, so really need to win the game on Friday and try to be undefeated going into that Clemson game. The Tigers, they'll they'll head to Pittsburgh this weekend, and they're looking to be undefeated when they host the Gamecocks next week. I can't, I literally cannot remember the last time. I, I I don't know if there is a last time in my lifetime where those two programs could walk into a game undefeated and potentially and again i i put this on dc he figured out they might both walk in there ranked in the top 25 next week depending on what happens between now and then not just with their programs but with others as well the other thing too is that you know they they have they have built a neat little resume only six games into the season um because now, Notre Dame is not, like you just mentioned, not what Notre Dame has been. And I, I'm not – I think Notre Dame will get better as the year goes along. But it's not like that's going to end up being some type of quad one victory or anything like that. More than likely, I don't even know that it will be a quad two victory. It might, but I doubt it at this point in time. But they also have those three um, victories that are neutral site. One of them is Virginia Tech. I'm personally pulling for Virginia Tech to walk into Auburn and win the game because that's going to help the Gamecocks. And um, and believe it or not, pulling for Clemson to go beat Pitt, because you, you want these you want these guys to be as good as they can be, really, to help South Carolina from a resume standpoint. If you get – if you know, let's, let's play the game for a minute, because it's fun to play the game when you're good, so let's do it. <laughs> if, if you get to 7-0 and you go to Clemson next Wednesday and you beat them, Okay, here's what's left. At East Carolina, CSU, Winthrop, Elon, and Florida A&M all at home. So, you know, I mean, say what you want about that. That's not that's not difficult, and I get it. But wins are wins are wins. And, you know, then you got to then then you turn your attention to the to the SEC. You still have to have a good record in the league. Like what is a good record in the SEC? Probably five hundred, Matt. Maybe, 
maybe eight and ten, depending on who you beat. Yeah, and but you know you still have yeah, to win but, games. But I'm just, but you have that benefit of the doubt factor. And how many seasons have we seen? Hadn't been a lot, but it's been more than enough to not like it. Where they have not had the benefit of the doubt factor at the end of the year. 2016 is a perfect example. They won a ton of games, went 11 and seven, I think it was, in the SEC that year. And they played literally nobody in the non-conference, and they didn't have the benefit of the doubt fa- uh, benefit of the doubt factor because they had, I think, lost one that they shouldn't have lost. This year, they've at least got a little bit of a resume going, and they knock on wood haven't gotten beaten by anybody they shouldn't have been beaten by. Yeah, and you play this game a little bit, and. You know, if, if South Carolina is able to run the run the table in the non-con, they will be ranked. Um, I don't I don't know if I agree with DC saying that you know the winner of South Carolina Clemson could potentially you know both be ranked or be ranked or whatever it is. I think that both of them have too many teams they have to jump in the poll. I just did the, looked at it. I think South Carolina is 14th outside of um, you know getting into the poll. So what would that be? 39th in the country. But yeah, if South Carolina runs the table in the non-con, there's not going to be that many teams still out there that are going to be, you know, 13 and 0 at that point and you know a lot of a lot of people will just say 13 and 0 South Carolina SEC team. Yep, they're in the top 25 because they're going to keep climbing that pole um assuming they win. But yeah, they, you know, talking about the SEC, if you get to 8 and 10 and you have, you know, 22 wins going to the SEC tournament, you're probably on that bubble line of, you know, last four in, first four out, maybe you have to win a game or two in the SEC tournament. But there's a, there's nothing that sa- that says to me that South Carolina is going to finish like six and twelve or something in, in the SEC schedule this year. So, so. Um, you know, South Carolina is, slow, is slowly building, and I think they're doing it the right way. Lamont, I mean, Lamont scheduled you know perfectly, just like you said all all off season, JB leading up to college basketball. This was the perfect non con schedule for South Carolina. Um, I think getting Clemson on a Wednesday night is a lot better than getting Clemson on a, on a Saturday <laughs> and um, in Clemson, yeah. South Carolina. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, little John's not the biggest arena and, and the Clemson fans will pack it out because they're all still high on their own supply after beating South Carolina, at Williams Bryce, but it's oh, going to yeah. be an environment and it's going to be a big test for South Carolina. But on that note, I think it's probably the biggest test that Clemson has this year too. I, I say that, you know, knowing Clemson's schedule. Who who in the end, then we'll, we'll step aside for a quick break here. Who in the SEC right now is the – who's been the most impressive program in the SEC thus far? Uh, you know, it's it's hard not to say Kentucky lately. I agree. I know Kentucky had a loss. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, what Kentucky did to Miami last night – uh, and Kentucky wasn't like a six and a half point favorite. The game was at Rupp, all of that. Um, I think you're looking at Kentucky or Tennessee um, as the most impressive so far. I think that they're probably Kentucky might have the most talent in the SEC just from a raw talent level. And if they can get you know going like they did last night against Miami, they're probably going to be the class of the SEC. But Tennessee, from just a roster standpoint, a toughness standpoint, basketball player standpoint, you know, I don't. Nobody wants to play Tennessee. I can promise you that. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking at it, you know, Auburn's got a loss. I mean, I thought that they played pretty well against Baylor. Um, Auburn's actually kind of funny. They, they share a lot of common opponents with South Carolina and the non-con. I was looking at that the other day. Um, Texas and Mississippi State, they're good teams. Florida's a good team. Arkansas, we'll see. Um, I'll be interested to see that Duke game tonight because um, I thought Arkansas was going to be a little bit better than they, they were. But, you know, Outside of Tennessee and Kentucky, I mean, who are you scared of, JB? 
I'm not yeah, scared no, of any of them. Not right now. I don't think so. I think that there's a lot of programs that are all kind of blue collar right there in the middle. I, I'll say this, you know, the Wildcats to me are the most impressive. Tennessee, they got two losses and they're and they're in their last two games and they're against teams named number two, Purdue and number one, Kansas, um, you know, and then tonight they've got to go on the road to 17th ranked North Carolina, Kentucky did something a little bit different this year than what they usually do. Although they have played Kansas themselves and they lost that game by five points. And now they've played eighth rate Miami. They still have contests against North Carolina and Louisville, but that's it. That sounds like a lot, right? But it's really not. Generally, Kentucky plays a very, very difficult non-conference schedule. They didn't do that this year. It's almost yeah, they like got Gonzaga. They got Gonzaga later in the year. Um, but outside of that, that's later on in the middle of SEC play. Right. It's not early though. And 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 yeah. I think that, you know, basically listening to Cal talk, you know, he wanted his program to try to run out and get a bunch of confidence as soon as they could. Because they've been really beat up publicly the last couple of years about Cal needing to get out of there and, and these guys aren't that good and they don't sign the guys they used to sign and this, that, and the other. So their regular season, their non-conference November and December has consisted of teams named New Mexico, New Mexico State, Texas A&M Commonwealth, Stonehill, I don't know who that is, St. Joe's, Marshall. They got UNC Wilmington coming up. They got to go to Penn. It's a road trip, by the way. What do you think those Penn folks are? The Quakers are going to be quacking when they get there. Uh, they got Illinois State coming up. I mean, it's they don't they're not playing that that traditional no late November December gauntlet that you you turn on like a Saturday afternoon on CBS and you see Duke and Kentucky like they're they're not doing that this go around they're not and I mean it's the you talk about Lamont having the perfect schedule Cal had the perfect schedule there as well um, and look I, I I give Kentucky a heck of a lot of credit for you know playing Kansas to five points. Um, that was a big, big time performance for those kids playing that. They're maybe their second game of the season. All those young kids, I think Kentucky only brought back like three players from last year's roster as well. Um, yeah, so give them credit. I mean, Kentucky, you know, South Carolina will get a chance to play them this year. Um, let's look when South Carolina plays Kentucky. Um, cause I don't yeah, know if they, if you guys are paying attention, but they made mention of, um, it's in Columbia on yeah, January 23rd. Columbia. Yeah, it's in yeah. Columbia this year. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah, SEC is just, it's kind of like SEC so far is kind of like the SEC in football was this year, you know, probably two elite programs at the top and then just a 10 round boxing match against every other opponent the rest of the way down. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah, that's but, part of it. it that's a part of an incredible stretch, by the way, for the Gamecocks, they've got to go to Arkansas, They'll come home and take on the Wildcats and then Missouri, and then they're on the road in Knoxville. So a yep. four-game stretch that will be tough. All right, we got to step aside quickly. We are part of the Chief Sports Network. That is served by Dixie Vodka, which will be serving my Christmas party next week. Can't thank those guys enough with a case of Dixie Vodka that will be showing up here soon. Matt's going to show up when we return. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
Hey, Gamecock fans, Mike Morgan here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was Salsaritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still Salsaritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? Well, you've got two convenient Salsaritas locations, one in Lexington in the Target Center and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta packs to take tailgating. Get yourself the Three Amigos bundles for tailgating. They make catering easy with a fresh, hot setup. And again, you just call the phone number 803-543-6297 to set it up. You can also look them up online or you can even download the app. Salsaritas is just a cut above the rest. That's why they're serving williams Bryce Stadium and the South Stands, also serving in the Colonial Life Arena. Again, that catering hotline number, make it easy for you and the folks out there. You don't need to settle for sandwiches every time. 803-543-6297. 803-543-6297. Shop Charleston Fitness Equipment this holiday season. Major discounts on treadmills, rowers, elliptigos, and more. Proud partners of Carolina Rise, Inside the Gamecocks, and the Chief Sports Network. CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com, 843-388-0999. Charleston Fitness Equipment, this holiday season. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. This holiday season, you can give a gift like never before. Hey guys, it's JB. Rescues and Resin produces custom-designed wood and resin products. From tables to wall art, coasters to cutting boards, and pretty much anything you can dream Proud Gamecocks and veteran-owned, Dustin and Tabitha are creating products that will blow your family and friends away when they take the wrapping paper off this Christmas. Check them out in the Chief Sports app now to get your custom order in before it's too late. Rescues and Resin are also proud supporters of Carolina Rise and proud partners of the Chief Sports Network. Rescuesandresin at gmail.com or in the Chief Sports app is where you can find them. Change your gift-giving game today by ordering a custom design through our friends Tabitha and Dustin in Rescues and Resin. My company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina. And we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub. I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product and it can go on any type of food. It's not surprisingly delicious. It's expectedly delicious. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Beginning to look a lot like Christmas. 
us Everywhere you go Take a look in the five and ten Listening once again With candy canes and silver lanes aglow It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Toys in every store But the prettiest sight to see is the holly that will be on your own yeah. front door. Merry Christmas season to all of you. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndo Co. All right, it's official. Bobby Petrino's back at Arkansas as KJ Jefferson, I guess, is. Well, maybe, maybe that's maybe that's what it was. Maybe after the word snuck out, he was like, oh. Petrino's coming back. Hey, I'm not in the portal yet. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, what do you make of this, guys? Well, that's what I was. My when all this KJ Jefferson stuff started, you know, popping up here right before we went on air, I was like, I wonder if he and Petrino have had a chance to talk. You know that my my very first thought was it was like, okay, you got a new OC coming in. One that, you know, has an excellent track record of being a, a good play caller and running some effective offense. Um, but have they talked and now he's wanting to jump? Or, you know, did, you know, is the scenario played out like you just said, JB? It was like, okay, I'm ready to jump. Oh, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's let him ride that motorcycle on in here and uh, <laughs> see if we need to hang around a bit. I mean, if he wants to be funny, he's got to wear the neck brace into his, his introductory. Oh, he should play that up so hard. You know he won't, but if it were he me. Won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> because who's going to say anything? Sam Pittman, he's, his ass is on the hot seat anyway, so it's not like, you know. <laughs> My first get... thought when I saw that news come across the, the bottom line during our game last night was that just screams of two coaches trying to hang on any way they can. Um, you know, bringing in Bobby Petrino. I mean, Sam Pittman, you brought in a former head coach at the university you're the head coach of now. I mean, it takes a lot of balls to do that first and foremost, because, you know, if all of a sudden the offense is humming, well, this is Bobby Petrino. We remember when the office was humming back in the day. Why do we need the pit boss anymore? But it, to me, it just seemed like, okay, I'm going to get the biggest name I can. He might not be the best offensive coordinator anymore. And I'm the, if I'm Bobby Petrino, I'm like, hey, look, I just got fired at Texas A&M. I'm going to take the first SEC offensive coordinator job I can. And I don't care because, I mean, both guys have to have a lot of a lot of stones to to make that one work. Well, I, I, I can't say like, I'd do it. Yeah, Sam Pittman, I mean, I, my initial thought, I started seeing it on the Internet, and I'm like, there's no way this is true. <laughs> and, and ESPN reported it. I was like, well, I guess it is true. And then my first thought was, I was like, oh, they're going to get rid of Sam Pittman, you know, six games into this season if things don't look like they're really on an upswing and then be like, hey, look, Bobby Petrino is our new head coach. <laughs> you remember him. We were we were doing good when he was here. <laughs> yeah, the pit, pit boss has got to have a taste tester on those on that barbecue for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's an it's an it's an interesting move. Um you know who did like? What is Arkansas trying to be here? I, I you know, I they had Kendall Bryles and then they fired their guy this year, and now they're going to something different with Petrino. I mean, I I see it as a play. I mean, I could be wrong, but like, I don't really know why you would see it any other way than this. 
because I can't believe he wouldn't have thought about it. It's 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 kind of if you're a coordinator who's been around a while, like not trying to take the next step, you know, but you've been around a while. Um, you understand how things work, and there's not many people that understand how it works better than Bobby. He's been coaching a long time. He's been fired. He's been through the gauntlet. So he, everybody out there knows that Sam Pittman, unfortunately, because there's a human side to this, and I agree when Sam tells people, hey, man, these are coaches' lives. Look, I got a life. I got a wife, children. But we also know he's he's on his final leg here. Like, if they don't have a really good year next year, he ain't going to be coaching there anymore. Um, and, you know, maybe they do have a really good year, and then he ends up getting some sort of an extension or something. I don't know. But if you're – but if you're Bobby Petrino, it just kind of feels like this is a play to just kind of be the next guy. Be right back in that seat again. You look at the 24 schedule for the Razorbacks, and they got to go on the road to Missouri. They got to go to Mississippi State. They got to go to Auburn. They've got AM and Arlington. They've got Texas at home. They've got LSU at home. They've got Ole Miss at home. They've got Tennessee at home. Oh, and they also, on Saturday, September the 7th, have decided that it's a good time to go play Oklahoma State in Stillwater, Oklahoma. So, you know, I don't mean, are you also, I don't know, you know, it's, you look in the SEC now, unless you're Alabama or Georgia, it's hard to just see nine, ten wins anymore for any team. Yeah. Um, you know, you could probably make that same comment about 12 or 13 of the 16 teams that are in the league. But, um my point is, I, I feel like Bobby Petrino is making a play to be the 2025 head football coach at Arkansas. Yeah, can't say I disagree. It's got that written all over it. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I was surprised that you know Sam Pittman was retained. I mean, I still am wondering how that happened because I figured he was out. I mean, I guess yeah. there's you know there's always yeah. something you don't know you know i no, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. there's more to this than what we know they yeah whatever the fix you know is, i have a buddy i have a buddy that um was a place kicker at arkansas and he still loves sam Pittman. i mean he played at arkansas still supports them love sam Pittman. just says sam just needs to get an offensive coordinator that's what sam needs and you know there's a lot to that and you know well, i know that did it seat, yeah yep. and his seat got <laughs> hot <laughs> <laughs> his seat got hot, and this that's why it's so hard. And I don't know if it is for you guys, but it's hard for me to talk about South Carolina coaches, like who's going, who's not going. Everyone wants to ask me that question, but it's just like, look, man, I'm not going to put any of that stuff out there. <laughs> when it comes to fruition and something happens, then we'll we'll talk about it all day long, and we'll talk about the past, the future, what it all means. But you know, it's a heck of a lot easier for me to talk about Billy Napier down in Florida <laughs> than it is, or Sam Pittman at Arkansas than it is for me to talk about our guys. Man, there's no, there's no. No kid, man. I tell you what, it's been the the West. <clears throat> the coaching changes in the West. Um, predicted at A and M, predicted at Mississippi State. I'm with Phil. I, I I didn't foresee the Razorbacks allowing their return. I will say this though. I love, if my opinion matters to anybody, I don't know why I would, but I love the hires both at Mississippi State and at Texas A&M. I, I think Levy fits perfect, and I mentioned this on Monday here, Phil. I feel like Elko is not only a, a really good hire, 
sometimes you make a safe hire and that's a bad thing. In this case, it's a good thing. Like they were able to make a good hire and a safe hire uh, in Mike Elko. Yeah, I mean, he's got experience with the different kind of <laughs> fan base and setup they have and tradition down there in, at A&M. Uh, he knew the words to the song that they, you know, sang there when they introduced him. But, uh, no, I, I, you know, yeah, yeah, that's right. No, I, I think it was a great hire. I mean, you, you got to go out. You know, just like JC said, it was like you got to go out and get you a coach. You need to go get you a ball coach. You can't yeah. mess yeah, around with the the biggest name, you know, or the the you know the the prettiest toy, you know, the prettiest car on the lot. You need to go get you a hard nose, going to run this program the right way and build it the right way, ball coach. Because right now, what you've got is, you know. Well, like I was, you know, a bunch of Hessian mercenaries that you've tried to put together who are going to jump ship as as soon as things start looking bad. <laughs> and and you know, I don't think the portal will be very kind to A uh, and M when it opens up on Monday. But uh, I think any of those players that actually have some vision and and want to play for the university and not just for themselves will stay because I believe Elko presents them an excellent opportunity to be a better and a contending football team. And then with Mississippi State, I mean, to go from the Pirate to Le- to Levy, I mean, that's I mean, they didn't like what they tried to do <laughs> this season, and now you, yeah. you know, I mean, does Will Rogers say, "Hey, I might stick around now <laughs> at Mississippi State"? I mean, he sure slung it all over South Carolina, but I mean, he he could fit that scheme. A and M in twenty twenty four again, just another wild example of this. I know we're out of time, but. They've got LSU at home. They got Texas at home. They've got Missouri at home. They've got Arkansas and Arlington at AT&T Stadium. They come to Columbia. They go to Mississippi State. They go to Auburn. They go to Florida. And they also welcome in the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Yeah. It's not getting any easier. You're gonna. These games are gonna start disappearing. With as difficult as this league is getting, it, I I find it very difficult to believe the SEC big boys, well, or any of them for that matter, will continue to schedule those type games. I don't know when Vandy's gonna win another SEC game. I just don't see it in, in the next couple of years. Man, talk about a tough road. I mean, you know, of course, it's like. Talk about yeah, South Carolina. We have to rebuild, you know, individual position group rooms. Poor Clark Lee. Yeah. He's got to put a whole damn team together yeah. this offseason. season. <laughs> I'm just now. I'm just browsing around. Phil, Florida's got both Georgia and Florida State in November next year. He could have two of the four playoff teams in. Yeah, four, yeah Florida. Not good. Yeah, but hey, they're oh, going to give Billy. Oh, some belt. Billy's going to get him another year to try it out. Yeah, Still got one more million dollars at the end of that next year. <laughs> All right, we've invited Matt to stick around for another 15 minutes. We're going to let him do it. We got John Strickland on the way at 120 as well. Don't go anywhere. We'll grab that.
The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks! Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nana'sPorch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks! This break is presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, the state newspaper's 2023 winner for best catering, best barbecue, and best food truck. Visit BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com for all of your catering needs. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Come on, don't you hear? I said, get up. 
All right, final hour here on Hump Day, Wednesday, November the 29th. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show, Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. I had their food on Friday night. Thanks to Bill Goss and his staff for what they do. If you have a holiday party you need catered this season, BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com. You don't just have to be in Columbia. You can be other places as well. They could bring the food truck or they can just supply the, the catering, whatever it is. Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. Make sure you, ooh, how about this, Phil? Why don't you let your bride know, or Santa, that Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, their sauce and their secret spice would go great in a stocking this holiday season. Stocking stuff. Excellent stocking Billy stuff. G's. Yes, yes. So I, I'm actually smoking a butt at uh, probably about, Probably about 5 a.m. Saturday morning for championship Saturday. Even though the Gamecocks aren't playing, I'm just going to imagine them in the game. And um, so, I and I'm, that's how, you know, I'm going to make sure I use his secret spice for the bark. But then, usually I sauce mine, and I've got Sweatman's barbecue sauce as well. So I'm going to do three different types of barbecue this time. Three. I'm going to do three. We'll do it all, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sauce three. Like, if you come eat barbecue at my house, like, and and we have, we got some Yankees that live in our neighborhood, and I always tell them they can go f themselves. Pardon my French, because I'm not doing it their way. I do it my way. I love these guys, <laughs> but like, I'm not just gonna cook barbecue and then just give you the barbecue to screw it up with whatever crap you were planning to put on it. You're going, <laughs> you're going to good barbecue, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna let you. I'm not gonna let you screw it up. So I sauce it. So I mix it. I do everything. So you're gonna have the sweet heat. You're gonna have Sweatman's, and then you'll have Billy G's. You know his regular sauce. Those are the three you have to choose from. Well, do you have any um any ketchup based? Nope. Nope. <laughs> no. Well, uh, I don't get that out of your fridge. Yeah. <laughs> is that the vinegar based there? Well, it's uh. It's the sweet eat sauce. There's some vinegar in it, yeah. Well, yeah, but is it vinegar in or not? I don't know if you don't want to go home. Like, that's kind of how I am about my barbecue. I, I just don't care. And I'm not going to let somebody screw up good meat. So I appreciate Billy G for doing that. And I uh, hope all of you will choose to use them if you need a caterer this holiday season. Uh, please, please use those guys because their food's better than yours and better than mine, too. I, I've been in a real dry rub kind of kick here lately. Like, I've been eating barbecue without sauce. Mm. If it's good enough, I could do. I love it. Mm. Yeah. No, well, I love sauce. Don't get me wrong. Just here lately, yeah. But yeah. No, that's Sometimes okay. You got to change it up. Okay, yeah, so yeah. now we're getting into a different category here, though, Phil. Because, <laughs> like, sometimes I'll smoke barbecue with the only intent to use it in other ways besides just doing barbecue. So, what do I mean by that? Well. We might do barbecue nachos one night, and then the next night we do barbecue tacos. So you don't want to sauce all that; like you, you want it to be just good barbecue. Yeah. All right, that's that's a different story. But people want to come over and eat barbecue. You know, I'm not going to let some moron walk in with some you know shelf based BS. You know, God only knows where he got it from. Well, this is the sauce. I got it from the Food Lion. Well, craft. You can't use that on my barbecue. I've already sauced it. So, you know. That's right. Nope. Oh, oh. oh, you can add it. I mean, but I wouldn't recommend it. 
<laughs> yeah, I, if you want to screw it up, that's fine. But you got to go screw up your own barbecue. Like I worked too hard. It, it took me twelve hours to smoke this. You really think I'm gonna let you come in and screw it up? No, we're not doing that. Well, that's funny. I've been I'm like, okay, so I, if I do have sauce, I make my own. It's typically how I go with barbecue sauce. Yeah, make my own. I do the same Fair thing enough. with my wing sauces. I make all barbecue. my wing sauces. Oh, I do the same. Yeah, you and me both, Matt. Yeah, wing sauce. I make my own there too. Mm-hmm. That's big time respectable. But it's yours. Like you yeah. made, you smoked the wings, right? right? Yeah. Or or barbecue or whatever you did. So that's yours. Do what you want. I'm just saying. I'm not, you know I don't want somebody walking into into my house and going. Well, I brought my own sauce. Well, put in the trash can. Like it's you know like, smuggling it in a little Tupper with tiny Tupperwares in their purse or whatever. It's yeah. like, man, better, we're going better. to the Bradford, so you know they don't. Uh, back they don't have back. that that ketchup <laughs> stuff. They love. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that son of a bitch. Mustard baseball. Mustard. I literally had somebody, one of my friends, mustard. No way. I'm like, well, you're in the deep south now, pal. So you better get over. Here. <laughs> yeah. You know how many foods we eat that are yellow? Yeah. <laughs> I'll take some of the uh, the yellow. Oh, that's right. All right, uh, Matt, thanks for sticking around, man. We do have uh, John Strickland coming up here, <clears throat> coming up here in just a little bit uh, as well. Um, kind of back into the, the portal stuff here. Obviously, K.J. Jefferson was the big news that was broken initially by by Brad Crawford, and we'll see what what comes from that. And I'm assuming it'll. KJ Jefferson was kind of, ooh, 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 you know, he was in defense mode. Either he was, he's got a plan, and that plan got blown up, or that, that wasn't correct information. But I don't believe that for a second with our friend Brad Crawford. He 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 doesn't. He's good about putting that stuff out. Um, so yeah, the big tree stuff seems to be just a. Uh... A little rumor. I don't know if you guys t- touched on that one. Um, Which one? Big Big Tree. He evidently scrubbed his Instagram or something, and everybody went into chaos about it. I mean, I don't know. I don't look at high college kids' Instagram accounts. So. Yeah, you can't read into anything. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't look into all that. I I think what we need to be prepared for though is that South Carolina is going to get hit. It's going to happen. I mean, Donovan West Westmoreland is already. Uh, publicly admitted that he will he will enter the portal. Um, nobody's immune from it, and it doesn't mean that some of these guys won't enter and then won't come back. One of the things I found interesting is that Coach Beamer has stated he's probably while he will be out on the road recruiting, he, he's good at that. That's his that's one of his things. He's also going to spend some more time quote at home, as in like in the facility around the guys who are here um that's something i think for a couple of years that he has uh, that's been evolving uh, a couple of years ago i would say that that might have been one of the more scrutinized things of him being a new head coach uh folks who had been around him enough to go man shane you're 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 getting pretty good at this you're getting the handle you, you got it but you know, this time of the year, right after the right after the season ends, you really have to focus on the guys that you've got, because you you can't go forward unless you know where they're what's going on with them, 
And I think uh, – I don't want to call that message received. I just think that's something that he's certainly learned. And um, and I'm anxious to see how that affects South Carolina and the portal this year from an internal standpoint. And I think of this particular season specifically, you know, I've been saying for a while now, stuff I've heard, Carolina's not going to take a high school kid just to take a high school kid. Um, they have a really good class right now. And, you know, there isn't that much of a focus on high school recruiting as there has been in, in previous seasons at this point in the calendar year. But, you know, Shane's got to keep his house clean and do the best he can to hold on to the guys that Carolina has at this point. And, yeah, I think that's the right move. Yeah, I did too. I did too. And, again, they're not immune from it. Like, they're, they're going to get hit as well. Um, my understanding of all this too, guys, is there literally isn't a position. And, I mean, if, if K.J. Jefferson, Jefferson isn't enough proof of that, then I don't know what else is. But I don't think there's a position on this team that they are not attempting to bolster through the portal. I mean, running back is the glaring difference. I think defensive line would probably be there, and I think wide receiver would probably be there. But they're literally just going after talent. Yeah, uh, you need it. You need the depth and talent across the board. Uh, I mean, obviously, you're going to place a higher priority on some of the the more glaring issues. But, I mean, you're not going to say no to a, a – a talented say oh i don't know db <laughs> or safety just because you already have you know nick and and uh jalen back there i mean you know no you're not gonna say no you this you you have to compete in the toughest conference there is i mean you you drop this team in the acc and they're not five and seven i can promise you that this year even with that bad o-line uh no but <laughs> you, you, so yeah you take them if, if they're interested and you can afford them well i'll go ahead and say too for those of the those listeners that you know aren't on the big spur you know hale mcgranahan comes on here you know once a week give or take and break some stuff down he has some excellent excellent articles on where the gamecocks need to go he's assessing you know every position on the team i think um whittle's been doing that as well um and if you read those articles you'll see why there's a need in every single um, position group, you know, every team meeting room that exists in South Carolina. I think, I think the most unknown developed talent for me on this, on this team to this point is at wide receiver um, because they have signed wide receivers. Uh, but this year, a lot of those younger guys either didn't play or were inconsistent when they did play like Tyshawn Russell. That doesn't scare me, though. Um, you know, there have been a lot of great wide receivers that have come through this program over the years that I didn't they, – they didn't pop when they were recruited. Uh, Demir Bird, you know, uh, Bruce Ellington was a talented guy from, where, where you know, my neck of the woods. So I, I clearly knew about him, but a lot of other people didn't know exactly what he would bring to the table. I mean, I remember when Farrell – yeah, Farrell Cooper. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was about to say. When he signed here, I mean, I don't remember a whole world of Gamecocks jumping through their roofs because Farrell Cooper committed. But these are all guys who have developed over the year. Look how Xavier Leggett developed from last year to this year. There's nobody who can – we heard it all summer. Man, this guy looks unbelievable, and it showed. But there's nobody in their right mind out there who's going to raise their hand and say, oh, well, I'm telling you, I knew it. I knew he was going to have 1,200 <laughs> yards receiving. Yeah, you're wrong. I, I knew that was coming. So, like – that room, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about it, um, but I, I just think that there's a lot of guys we just don't know enough about, 
and we just haven't seen them. That being said, if they could go sign somebody like the kid down at FIU, I know he showed up, and guys, believe me, this is so early in the conversation. Next week, we're going to have 100 names, and we're not going to know who any of them yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> But that's an interesting position group um, that they are also looking to. Yeah, and something to, else that I thought about, and y'all tell me if I'm absolutely crazy here, but if you think back to Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, he had his guy. He had Devontae Adams. He had um, Jordy Nelson before that. And wide receivers did not develop in Green Bay because Aaron Rodgers just flat out wouldn't throw them the ball if he didn't think they were going to be in a position to catch it. And Spencer is a good enough quarterback that he's diagnosing everything. He's like, if I make this throw to this particular wide receiver at this angle, it's going to be an incomplete pass. I got to do something different. And that's why I think you know people say he locked on to Xavier. He didn't lock on to Xavier, but Xavier could make every catch on the field. So, I mean, that yeah, you look you look to that kind of guy. So I think that, you know, to JB's point, the development, and there's nobody better in the country to develop a wide receiver than Justin Stepp. Um, you know, he's yeah, caught some he flack, but Justin Stepp is a dude when it comes to developing talent. And he's got a lot to work with. And, you know, just you wait on Nicholas Harbor. I remember when Xavier would get, you could throw a brick at him and he'd catch it with his face. And look what happened after that. Um, yeah, being with Coach Stepp for a couple of years and, yeah, someone's going to develop there. And, you know, maybe it's a good thing that you bring in a, you know, a transfer in KJ Jefferson potentially, or Lenore Sellers goes through fall practice and he makes his own connections with guys. And, you know, I mean, you saw what happened with Nicholas Harbor and Lenore Sellers in the Furman game. That was a difficult catch that Nicholas Harbor caught. And Lenore's put it exactly where he knew it, where his guy would catch it at. So sometimes changes are good. I tell you what, and, and on the, uh, and we'll let you run on this, but on the Lenore Sellers front, he he was as lucky as any quarterback in all of college football this year. And you might think that I'm going, you're, what do you mean lucky? He got to watch Spencer Rattler play 12 games. He got to watch it. He got to watch it. And when Rattler walked off the field, he got to talk to him about it. What'd you see there? What was you would see Spencer from time to time walk down and put his arm around Lenoris and say, "Let me show you what happened here." Just so you know, um, th- that's in that's invaluable. Like you, 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 there isn't a coach that can do that. There's nobody. You, you either have a guy in front of you who you know is the starter and is willing to pass that knowledge along to you, or you don't. And he did. He had Spencer Rattler for twelve games, and then probably have him for the rest of his career. Um, to be able to connect with. So I thought that was very, very valuable as well. All right, uh, before we let you run, any final quick thoughts, something that's on your mind, or you just want to oh, shake well, hands, hugs, hand pounds, and move on? Nah, real quick. Um, I had to hit up Wesley Saunders on, um, I guess it was Saturday when I was listening to y'all's show from Friday, and I had to get on him because he didn't mention the best team he was on at South Carolina, which was the Thunder Devil intramural basketball team. Um, we had a pretty good run there and Wes said, well, I'll be on the show next month, Matt. I'll tell him all about you. So hopefully that'll be good. But, um, yeah, I had to give Wes a little bit of crap about that. Yeah. Well, that's he, make sure he expands on that when you get him on the air. There's a bunch of dudes. There's a bunch of dudes in that, that frame that could play some hoops. Dude, we had. Um, we had Joe Hills, we had Jason Barnes, we had Wesley, we had Melvin Ingram, Jarrell King, Akeem Auguste, yeah. like all these guys just somehow. Jared. Uh, Jared wasn't, he didn't play with us, but Jared could hoop. He could oh, absolutely he could play. hoop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've never was, seen someone dunk a ball harder than um than Jarrell King, though. I'll tell you that. That dude would shake a, shake a backboard. That that group of dudes, too, you could probably take the best five from that football team. They would probably beat the basketball team. So, I mean, at at some were, points, yeah. At some points, yeah. yeah. It was a, it was a good yeah. little run there, yeah. But I'm happy y'all had Wes on there. Get Wes on all you can. He's a he's a yeah. he's a hilarious guy. Easy to talk to. Great guy. Yeah, great guy. he was a great guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Matt, have a wonderful week, man. Thanks for thanks for jumping in with us today. All right, man. I'll see y'all later. There you go, awesome. John Strickland. Is up next. We'll step aside inside the Gamecocks show. Be right back. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Inventive Bikes, and more and they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. Because you've become my own. These windows could shut into the ground. These walls could fall right down.
124. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show. John Strickland, kind enough to pop in. The season has ended. Now chaos is set to begin with the portal and so on and so forth. But uh, it didn't end the way we wanted it to, John, at 5-7 and seven after a loss this past weekend. Good to see you, brother. How's it going? Well, you know, it's basketball is undefeated. Yeah, I was at the game last night. It was uh, it was a good time. Uh, we you could tell we didn't play for nine days with the start, a little yeah. sluggish, but uh, you know they turned it on there, especially the last ten minutes of the second half. Yeah, it, it you're absolutely right. It certainly looked early on in the ball game that they were uh, they were a little <laughs> little flat, little little uh, you know little little rusty. It happened. They knocked that off. Uh, Gamecocks uh, last weekend. Just couldn't couldn't get it going, man. So they they finish here at five and seven. When you when you look back on it, you, if you if you can take yourself back to late August and early September, as we hit the road and headed to Charlotte, there was a lot of <clears throat> a lot of excitement. Um, there, there was a lot of expectations that uh, that would be win number one, and then a lot of the problems that we saw in that game, we, we just saw again in, in week twelve, and it just seemed. Like that was that it was the entire year was just a grinding of the gears to try to to muster out anything they could. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. The first quarter of that game, you get so many guys hurt. I mean, literally right off the bat, like the first three drives, both sides of the ball, uh, you had Spalding and uh, 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 Nick go out. You know, the first drive or second drive of the uh, defensive uh, series. And then Case and Henry goes down and a couple other – I mean, it was just – the season did not did not start off good, uh, and it kind of stayed that way most of the season. I mean, you know, like I've said on here a couple weeks ago, when you have a bunch of injuries, especially up front on the offensive line, uh, it's really hard to overcome those uh, deficiencies. Okay, so let me ask you, and we're going to make our way around the offense, around the defense, and everything in between here. Um, so, the offensive line, um, there is a chance that all five guys that started the last four games, and then and then some guys who also didn't start the last four games but started other games, could all return. We'll see if Nick G gets his waiver. Um, the rest of those guys, you know, you get a couple of freshmen in there. You got Ja'Kai Moore. You got Vershawn Lee with eligibility left. So, you know, there, there's always going to be the narrative of, oh, my God, those guys, they, they sucked. Why do we want them returning? But, John, I, I don't think it's as easy as just making a blanket statement like that. You played in the offensive line for four years at South Carolina. The, the more you play, the better you get. Walk us through that and why it would be important to have them returning. Yeah, no, I mean, experience is something you can't teach, okay? Like, uh, it's like anything you do in life. The more experience you have something at that you're working at, the better you're going to get at it over time. And it's the same way with football. Uh, Same way with offensive line. Uh, Trust me, these two true freshmen that basically had to start the majority of the year, uh, they, they never saw that coming. I mean, listen, those guys were in high school last year. And then they're in the SEC. And, listen, Clemson's got the best defensive front seven probably in the country, okay? But, you know, those guys getting all the playing time they did this year, uh, obviously nobody liked how it looked up front. Uh, I mean, the guys in the 
in the locker room over there, I'll tell you the exact same thing. They didn't like uh, how it went down. And then you got Nick Gargiulo, never played a snap of center in his life and gets thrown into center. And what nobody knows, and I'm not going to get into the details of it, but he was hurt literally the last four or five games of the year. Nobody knew about it. He was just playing through it. Uh, he, Well, I'm not going to say what it is, but he, he was hurt, put it that way. Uh, and so all these guys are going through these new things. You know, the two true freshmen are going through new things first year in the SEC. And like I said, center. He's never played center before. You throw him in there. And then you got Lee out at tackle, who has not played tackle. So, you know, it's just – it's tough to expect uh, any more than what you got out of them, honestly. It, it really is. I mean, you hope for better, but it just – it never kind of gelled. And even though we had the same O-line the last four games uh, – I, obviously, I think it helped with the communication, which you could see on uh, pass blocking, uh, especially the previous games versus Clemson or before Clemson. But Clemson's just, guys, Clemson's two linebackers and their D-line are as good as anybody in the country, and there's a reason their defensive efficiency is number one in the country. Okay. So uh, I knew we were going to – listen, that Clemson game, I knew we were going to have a tough time scoring. We were just going to have to hope to get some turnovers and not turn the ball over. Well, unfortunately, a drop turnover we should have had and then a turnover we had on offense is literally the difference in the game. Ten points right there. The uh, drop interception that we had in our hands didn't didn't catch it. They kicked field goal, and then obviously we all know what happened on the second play of the game. So it's ten points, and we lose by nine. So there you go. Yeah, it – you you when you when you summarize all of that too from the offensive line standpoint up front you have the potential to return and at, at this point in time there's no indication that they won't 12 guys with starting experience not to mention more than likely at this point in time if not one of the top two or three then it's number one the offensive line class in college football with you know cam pringle and josiah thompson this guy's coming in blake franks and others Tell you what, um, I got to say this. I, uh, so I met Cam Pringle for the first time Friday night. And, he's uh, a big he, dude. He was standing beside me, and I'm almost right at 6'5". And right. He was standing beside me, and one of my buddies yelled, dude, he makes you look small. <laughs> <laughs> the, the kid yeah. is ginormous. I mean, he's every bit of 6'8", and then his, you know, his hair, he's kind of got a little fro going and um, probably makes him about 6'9 and a half. Right. <laughs> yeah, he's he uh i well i walked by him one time john and you know how tall i am so yeah. you just imagine what i was thinking <laughs> when i met him i thought yeah. that guy's gonna murder somebody in the sec <laughs> he's um, a big kid but he is a big kid you know and so it's easy to to get excited about what, what's to come with that group too and and lonnie teasley i mean um this was his first year as a full-time position position coach in in this league i i would imagine that he learned for him too right right i i would imagine he's learned as much as any of the players have about themselves yeah 100 percent. i mean first year coach uh on the offensive line you know in major college football um you know he i promise you he learned a lot of things this year about himself and his room 
um, that he didn't know going into the season. So uh, that was obviously a benefit for him and going into next year. Um, but I will say on the O line, we have some we have some young dudes. We have uh, some good recruits coming in. I still think we got to pick up one or two in the portal. I I, I think we do because um, you just gotta you gotta create depth that you can rely on, and you gotta have strong competition because strong competition in any position room makes everyone better. Let's let's back it up to the guy that you know that they snap it to the quarterback position um you, you can make the argument maybe maybe the best quarterback season we've ever seen especially under the circumstances we've just discussed as many times as he went down i think he was sacked i don't know 43 or 44 times this year it was some of the most in, in college football still threw for 3200 yards spencer rattler um a, a remarkable year for him to season to remember um, the news breaks today from our buddy Brad Crawford that potentially South Carolina could be adding KJ Jefferson. You're the you're the football player here, I'm, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you. We we know we know what Lenora Sellers brings to the table. If if KJ Jefferson and his skill set is a guy that the Gamecocks are interested in, which is a sk- similar skill set to Lenore Sellers, which by the way I think Lenore Sellers throws a football better. I think overall he's probably long-term a better athlete. But what does that tell you about where they're trying to take this offense? Uh, well, it tells you, I mean, basically what you just said. We're trying to scheme around to where we have a passing game that also has a wrinkle with a quarterback who can run, I mean, and, and really run, physical, big guy. You know, basically like KJ, we've seen from K.J. Jefferson over the years. Uh, I think, uh, and that's kind of the offense that's going today. I mean, you look at Alabama, their offense is like that through Milrow right now. That Milrow guy's gotten better and better every single week. And, uh, he is a, he's a huge kid too. I think he's like six, four, about two forty, two fifty. um, kind of, you know, like sellers, uh, as far as KJ coming, like I just said, competition breeds greatness. So, Thank you. Um, you cannot, and I'll go back to what I said, you know, 10 minutes ago, you cannot teach experience. Okay. It's something that's gained. Well, there's, listen guys, there's nothing wrong with bringing in and a very experienced quarterback that's played in the SEC started for what, three, four years now. Um, so you just can't teach that kind of stuff. So I'm all for it. And I promise you this, Lenore Sellers and the other guys are probably like, do it and let's battle it out and see what happens. Um, so that's just kind of my take on that. Uh, I don't think you ever turn down somebody uh, of the, the the experience and caliber of somebody like KJ. Yeah, kid, uh, in two years under Kendall Bryles, completed 68% of his passes for 5,300 yards, 45 touchdowns, and just nine picks. Um, you know, I he's mean, thrown, that, I think in his whole career, he's thrown like 69 touchdowns or something. In college, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, yeah, he's and he's been playing well. He'd only have one year left. I mean, you know, but but at the end of the day, as you just pointed out, we try we we said this at the beginning of the program, and of course, there's you know a handful of people that think competition apparently is bad. Just hand it to the next guy. This this team, John, they just went five and seven for for a couple of reasons. One of them was injuries. Behind injuries, they didn't have any depth. The other one. 
was because of the transfer portal last year that they didn't replace the guys that they lost. I, I highly doubt that they want to make that same – not that they made a mistake last year. I think that they tried. They just couldn't get it done. But that's a priority. Let's just bring out all the good players we can bring in. Yeah, so the running back room, that was a tough one because you had one guy that's injured and was told probably shouldn't play any more football, okay? All right, then you had Marshawn Lloyd uh, leave, and then Amos is gone. Um and, you know, we went out and we got a Mario Anderson who, listen. Thank God. I was saying it in week one uh, after the North yeah. Carolina game when he only got a handful of carries, like maybe three carries. I said, you know, once this guy gets the blocking down, the blocking scheme down, he's going to be the guy. Uh, you could just tell by the way you ran. <clears throat> um, so when I got him, but, you know, you're thin. Uh, and then Juju gets hurt uh, two, three games ago. Um, so, I mean, it was a rough year last year with Marshawn leaving. Um, and I kind of all know what happened with all those situations, but I'm not going to air that public, but, uh, we've talked uh, about the Marshawn thing, you know, what he did, he yeah. ghosted him, I mean, you know, it's, it's BS how he handled it, but yeah. that's what we're talking about here, John, is that you, you can't, you, you have to prepare for that. This is going <laughs> to happen again. It's going to happen again. I'm uh, yeah, I'm sure you're, you're going to get a few that are, you're going to be like, why is he leaving? Um, uh, every team's going through it right now. I'm sure Arkansas is like, why is KJ transferring? You know, like why? And, uh, so you're going to get that all over the country. Uh, and it's just, I hate it. I hate the way college football is today. I hate the transfer rule. I hate the targeting rule. I hate a lot of rules in college football. Uh, it needs to go back to how it was, you know, 10, 10, 20 years ago. Uh, but that's just the day and age we live in. At the wide receiver position, uh, John, I mean, there was nobody that developed in the offseason more than Xavier Leggett. And this kid's about to go to the NFL and make a lot of dang money. And he's always going to be able to come home and get cheered for. And he's, his face is going to pop up there when they do the little NFL thing during the games. And people are going to go wild. Uh, and they should. He's earned it. The pride of Mullins, South Carolina. Um the, you know, the the rest of that group, Juice says he's coming back. So the plan is to see him out there in 2024. That'll be that'd be pretty helpful to Lenore Sellers or KJ Jefferson or whomever the quarterback is. Um, the rest of this group, I think it's a there's a big TBD on it. I know that they're gonna go try to get a guy or two out of the portal, but you just have a lot of a lot of young guys who are in that development phase. And um, this is gonna be a very critical offseason to to all of them. Uh one hundred percent. I mean you know, we had a few guys here and there that would make some plays, but, you know, uh, X was pretty much t doing everything. Uh, so you definitely got to get some guys developed. And I've known for a month that Juice was coming back uh, next year. Uh, I was just – I wasn't going to say anything, but he, he was just waiting his time to say it publicly. But I've known for over a month he was coming back next year. Um, that's kind of been planned, actually. But uh, – um, I, there's 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 going to be a lot of good wide receivers in the portal, and there's already some that have already hit and announced the portal. And I think we do got to go attack one or two of those guys. Um, I, I think you just have to. Uh, we can't rely on these uh, young guys. I mean, no offense to young guys. I was a young guy. I wouldn't have relied on me when I was a freshman or, you know, whatever either. Uh, you got to go out and, and get some older, experienced players. 
And that's just the name of uh, the game today. I mean, that's just it's the way college football's worked here the past two or three years. John Strickland joining us here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. It's 140 uh, here on a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, the, the tight end room, uh, John, and uh, the additions of Trey Knox and Josh Simon deepened it this year. I, I, I'll be honest with you, personally speaking, this is just personally speaking. I already know what you're say. Go ahead. Well, no. I'm, I, I felt like they were a little, little bit misused. Um, I felt like Josh Simon should have been on the field probably a little bit more than he was and uh, might have a chance to be that league guy next year if he decides to come back. I don't think he's making a decision on it yet. Uh, Michael Smith I, is coming in and others, yeah. Yeah, uh, if I were Simon, I'd be back in a heartbeat, okay? Yeah. I thought Simon was the best pass catching tight end uh, we had the last half of the season. Uh, he really turned it on. And if he can just get a little better at his blocking and, you know, with his skill set of being able to run routes, catch passes, and break tackles, you never see him go down to the first guy. I mean, right. can, can y'all remember when you saw that this year? I didn't. Every no. time he caught the ball, he's knocking one guy off and it was taking two, three guys to get him to the ground. So uh, I like the way he plays uh, receiving the ball. So, I mean, for for me, if I were him, it's an easy decision what I'm doing. Um, and then I, I know we're going to probably go out in the portal and get an older, experienced guy, which you should. Uh, and then we got some young guys behind them um, that I'm excited about. So um, – I think the tight, tight, if we go out and get a good portal hit at tight end, uh, and with the the young guys and the uh, the really good freshmen, was it Michael? Uh, what's his name? Michael Smith. Michael Smith. Michael Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've watched some of his yeah. films. So uh, I mean, got a got a chance to be a really good tight end room next year. A couple of quick little nuggets to pass along from the college football front. Uh, Grayson McCall, quarterback at Coastal Carolina, has entered the portal as has former South Carolina target, uh, wide receiver target a few years ago. Frank Ladson Jr. ended up in Miami. He is also in the portal. We'll see if his name comes up when it comes to um, the Gamecocks in the future as well. All right, flipping to the other side of the field, things sure did get better when they went to that 3-3-5. Why do you think that was? So, you know, we were playing that, you know, you know, all those guys – that well, I'll just say this: the three-three-five worked better uh, because it helped us not getting beat. You notice we didn't get beat deep any once we started playing that. You know that keeps yep. the ball in front of you. It seems like all of our back end guys just played better when we switched to that defense. Well, you know, I think the coaches were maybe tossing back and forth or doing it. You know, after you got through those first four games, I think they were kind of. Should we do this? Should we not? That's just from what I heard. But I think it plays more to the personnel we had. Um, and I think it was a smart move by them to move to that defense. Um, you know, like I said a couple of weeks ago, Charlie Strong ran that defense when when, when I was – when he was here. And uh, we were always, you know, top five defenses in the uh, SEC during those years. Um, so, um I think it was a smart move. Uh, plays to your personnel a little bit better. So it worked out. So maybe we see it more next year. 
Do you think it's yeah, sustainable on up front? Yeah, uh, uh, without having to address like you know a nose in the portal or something like that. Or do you, do you think you know what you have incoming and what you have on the roster can can still be successful with that, not just on the back end? Yeah, you know, I'll just touch on the D tackle spot. Um, I think we got three really good guys. Okay, that that we can rely on right now. Uh, I don't know if that's quite what you're asking, but I think we do need to go to the portal and get a good defensive tackle. And there's already a handful of them out there that we need to go grab. Um, so, but yes, I, I think it played uh, more, more towards our back end, but I think it helped the guys up front more. And, you know, I'm not, re- you know, I didn't play defense ever. I tried to in high school, but my coach told me uh, like, <laughs> You're an offensive lineman, buddy. Get over here. <laughs> Billy Bob. This is no lie. This is no lie. In high school. In high school, you know, I'm a freshman. Obviously, I played O-line and D-line in middle school just because I was bigger than everybody, and I just run through everybody on when I played defense in middle school. But uh, in high school, I got to high school, and I'll never remember. A coach was like, all right, so for all you freshmen, you know, whichever side of the ball you think you're going to play on, you know, kind of go to that – position and then we'll sort it out well i'm like man i'm gonna play d-line you know so i take off running with the d-line my offensive line coach cls strictly you're an offensive lineman get your ass over here that's what he said (laughs) it worked worked out yeah no he said yeah that's right yeah (laughs) not saying you can't play next level football at d-line but he says, I can tell you right now, you're an offensive lineman and you listen to what I tell you, you're going to be a lot to play uh, college football at the next level. And sure enough, worked out. Yeah, good thing you listened because uh, you, you went on to play for the Gamecocks. You have your school paid for and actually played part of a uh, really spectacular offensive line. And, and another part about that three three five, you know, having, you know, basically three linebackers on the field at one time, Bam Martin Scott showed why he should be playing more. No so, question. Uh, well, that's I, where I was going I, next. I think, I think that's yeah. helped us out a lot, Phil. Uh, yeah. When, these last few games. When you mm-hmm. get to that level of the defense, I mean, you can – This is, we're four days removed from the 23 season here. So, there. I mean, a lot can change. But let's say not much does change. You could make the argument right now that, that that group, that linebacking core, if none of them decide to leave, could, could be the heart and soul of that. It's been a while since so we've been able to say that around here. The linebackers are the heart and soul of the defense. As talented as the secondary guys can be, at least at the safety position, John, you're talking about Bam, you're talking about Pup coming back, you, you know, you're know, talking about Debo. I mean, there's a bunch of guys there who play a lot of football that got better as the year went on. Yep, I agree. Uh, actually, I, I, and I'll tell you, earlier, earlier in the season, all right, I didn't think uh, – I'll be honest with you. Through the Jacksonville State, I didn't think the linebackers played up to par. I'll just be straight up with you. But then, as soon as we switched that three-three defense, seems like the linebackers are just way more comfortable and could just play more free. I don't know what it was, uh, but man, they played so much better the last three games of the season in that three-three. And our linebacker room is stacked. And I don't, I'm gonna be straight up with you. I will be shocked if any linebacker transfers. Any, I'm talking about the guys who played this year. Uh, I would be shocked. So I, 
I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much about that room. They also are bringing in two top 200 linebackers yeah. in both Wendell Gregory and Fred Johnson. Yeah, I'm telling you, that room's going to be one of our strong points uh, next, going into next season. It, it, it really is. All right, you've kind of hit on some of it. The the secondary, John, making our way to the backside of the defense, the safeties and the corners. Um, your, your thoughts on their overall performance this year, kind of adding on to what you said with how they turned a little bit of a corner when they did shift that three three five. Yeah, it was rough. Uh, you know, as we know, it was rough the entire season other than the Georgia game. The Georgia game, they actually played very well. Uh, other than that game, it was rough. Uh, after the A&M game, I, actually, the A&M game was rough, all right? And then we go into the Jacksonville State game, and I thought they played great in the Jacksonville State game. A lot of our problems on defense that game was – I mean, I hate to say it, it was linebacker play. Uh, guys were missing assignments, but, hey, the linebacker sealed the game for us. But the linebackers had probably their worst game of the year against uh, Jacksonville State. But you got to give it Jacksonville State. Those guys are really good, and they run the ball, and they're good at running the ball. Uh, but that that's what kept that game kind of close. But uh, the, the back-end guys, ever since the A&M game, these last four games of the season have been pretty much locked down. I mean, they have been locked down, and I love seeing it, and I think it is because the 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 three three five. I think it just helped those guys so much more, and and Nick really came on at the end of the season. I mean, you got to love what you see from that kid. He he played great the last three games of the year. I mean, he was on it. I don't I don't think there's a safety in the country playing better than him the last three games of the year. <coughs> that that. <laughs> Excuse me, the pick in the Clemson game was a fantastic play. Oh, man. The guy's literally got his jersey grabbed, both hands holding him, and he just sticks his arm out and catches it with one hand. And, of course, we get no call. The referee in that game was about as bad as I've ever seen. And it went more, it went more against us than it did them. I mean, there were some bad calls on their side, too. But, man, seems like we were getting hosed. And, I saw one video on Twitter that I, me and Brewer noticed during the game of uh, their corner that they're all bragging about guarding uh, Leggett. And uh, Leggett went to jump and grab, catch a pass, and literally the guy's holding him like this so he can't even get off the ground to catch the pass and no call. I mean, it was just awful. It, it was a terrible ref. But anyways, let's get off that subject. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, you do this about every week with a lot of these guys. You know, as bad as it's been, um, John. Overall, here, you know, in the office again, we're we're about to enter the chaos phase of this thing. You didn't have to go through it as a player, but they all do now. And I mentioned earlier that um, that this staff and pretty much every other staff in college football, if they're using their brains, uh, they're going to have to they're going to have to over recruit for whomever's on the roster because you just don't ever know when somebody's going to step off the ledge and say, "I'm out of here." Um, but then you also have this thing coming up uh, called signing day, which is going to happen in just a couple of weeks. So you got signing day, you got the portal, you got to figure out what to do with your staff. Um, I mean, there's just a lot going on this time of the year. What do you feel like Shane has learned in his first three seasons as the head coach and, and any, any adjustments maybe that you feel like you've seen or heard about that he has uh, made to help protect his football team in this this wild and wacky December that rolls around now every year. 
Well, I'll tell you this. I'll bet you Shane will tell you he's still learning in this process because it's really helter-skelter, man. I mean, you just never know what's going to happen with this transfer portal crap. And uh, But, you know, Shane has a genuine love for all those guys, you know. Uh, some coaches keep it strictly business, but you can just tell with Shane it's more like, you know, Father, son, love you to death, da 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 da. Uh, you can just tell it's more personal with him. So I think that helps with him keeping some of these guys. But I mean, let's be real. These these kids are wanting to get paid money. Uh, luckily, we just, uh, which I knew about it before it was announced. I don't know if you saw, but there was a million dollar donation uh, to the NIL, which is going to go a long ways to help yep. us get guys and keep guys uh, this off season. Um, um, but yeah, I heard about it last Friday. I was told about it last Friday from somebody in the uh, Gamecock club, but, uh, um, but that, that, those are the kind of things that need that we all, I mean, I hate to like pressure people to give their money to, you know, teenagers. Um, but if you want to win football games, it's just what it is today. Uh, you know, don't, don't go to McDonald's a couple times a month, just stay at home and eat and, uh, give that 20 bucks uh, to the NIL or something. I mean, it's, it's, it's for most people, you know, you can do that. You know, if, if you, if money's tight and just don't go to McDonald's a couple of times and, and donate that money. Uh, but I think that's the biggest thing that Shane and this, you know, Shane and our people at the university are learning like, Hey, we got to figure out how to keep guys and how to raise money to keep these athletes uh, and get, get top recruits and athletes. So I think that's one thing that he's learned the most uh, over this time. And, and it's starting to show up because our NIL since, you know, compared to other people's a year or so ago, I mean, it's went up tremendously, uh, especially when you're getting million dollar gifts at one time. Uh, I mean, that says a lot. There's there's a lot of people that have been working really hard on this, including our brother JC, you know, yep. who's kept literally single handedly kept Park Avenue alive. Yeah. Uh, somehow. I don't I still Phil can't figure out how he does it, but he's he's done it. Um and, and then John, you know, I'll I'll leave you with this. Although it was five and seven and nowhere near what anybody wanted to see. I get that. We all wanted to see the next step. We talked about this earlier. Year three seems to always be very strange for coaches. and That's the year. And, and no matter what happens in that year, whether it's a good year or whether it's a bad year, it always sees, seems to be the determining year for the future of the large majority of coaches. They either last another you know, five, six, seven-plus years or they last one. And, and so it, it, this is going to just really be a critical next few months for this program under Coach Beamer's leadership, and de- and a lot of development is going to need to take place because there's a lot of young guys in this get in this program that they're going to need to be counting on down the road too. Yeah, um, you know, obviously year three was what none of us wanted. Um, you know, I'll just let's just put it in perspective. North Carolina game, you're up, you're leading at halftime, uh, but you just got like six guys hurt. <laughs> okay right before the first half ends. All right. Then uh, second half, well, all those guys are injured. You got all, you got, got all your backups playing. Well, guess what? They got to play the whole game. They don't have depth. Uh, so that was a problem in that game. And you can kind of see it. If you know football, you could see it. 
towards uh, the fourth quarter of that game. Uh, Georgia game, you know, you're up uh, uh, 11 points at halftime. You just don't have the depth to hang with Georgia. Too many guys hurt. Uh, that's when we were already starting two freshman offensive linemen. <laughs> so that should tell you a little bit right there against it's Georgia. Georgia on the road. All right. Uh, Florida game, no excuse on that one. We just, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get away from that one. Uh, the game still makes me sick. Uh, and then, you know, Tennessee, you're leading after a quarter and a half and blah, 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 blah. I could go on and on. This team showed that they could hang with all these teams, okay? But the depth and the injuries is what kept them from winning these, a lot of these games. Um, and that's ultimately what this season will be remembered as is the injury season. I mean, that's what I'm calling it. I mean, we had some bad injury seasons during Muschamp, but this is this this year is the worst I've ever seen. I've never seen – uh, four backups starting on the O line at one time, uh, in, in you know back to back games. Never seen that before in my life. That that's just crazy to think of. And two of them are true freshmen. Think about that. Two are true including freshmen. two true freshmen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Think about that. Guy. <laughs> crazy. Everybody listening, watching, whatever. Just <laughs> just put that in perspective in your head. Um, so that was kind of the downfall of, of the season. Um, you know, proud of the way the guys played the last four games. Uh, I mean, listen, we were one or two plays away from beating Clemson. Uh, I mean, our defense, like, I, like we've already talked about, just played outstanding. So, you know, moving forward, you got to build off of how you finish the year. Did we go to the ball game? No. But did you play pretty good daggum ball the last uh, four games of the year? You sure did. You take that, you build off it in the offseason and uh, get some guys healthy, man. And uh, let's figure out a way not to get everybody hurt next year. Man, I'm telling you right now, if we didn't have all these injuries, I think at one point we had 13 guys out injured. 13 yep. at one time. If you don't have that, I would guarantee you this team would have won probably at least seven, but maybe eight or nine. I think 11 or 12 offensive linemen this year all went down with injuries at different points in time. So yep. I've never seen that before. I've never heard of that. Wow. No. Like I said, four backups starting on low line. Think about that. <laughs> Because you got Lucky rat, they're still alive. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard enough when you get one backup starting on the offensive line. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, poor Spencer, man. People said someone said during the game the other day he's seeing ghosts out there. I'm like, uh, you think yeah. his own? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's doing everything rough, he can to see his own. Uh, nobody but, feels hey, worse than those linemen. Too, put it behind us. Men and women's basketball is up, and uh, it's looking good so far. Hopefully we uh, keep them rolling, and who knows what this year may bring. Well, I know that I'll be talking to you here soon. We um, we, we need to set up a, a round of golf if we can get you down here. I'm in. Play. I'm in. Flint, like, yeah. Flint wants to play, but I'm like, you just drive the cart, man. You, you know, you, uh, you, <laughs> I don't need you to play golf. <laughs> right, me and Flint played together a few times. Uh, <laughs> I, I may, I may only edge him out by about that much. It ain't about much. I don't, I don't, I don't get to play enough. I play about three or four times a year, and you know, I travel so much at work, and uh, so it's just one of the well, most. I was on the horn this morning with a couple of guys trying to get some rounds set up. I said, now the football season's over, I can, I can get out there and and hit it around a little bit. So let's do it. I'll get in touch with you, and we'll we'll get it all set up. But really, can't thank you enough. I know I kept you for a long time today, but wanted to get your thoughts as all the year is now over. And uh, certainly appreciate those, man. Good stuff. 
All right, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, not the season we wanted, but uh, hey, we got two new seasons in front of us with uh, the men and the women's basketball. So put the put the past behind you. Don't dwell on the past. Look to the future. Put a smile on your face. Go Cots. Hey, get another crack at Clemson next week. Up yes, sir. We'll see what happens. Thanks, John. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, John. John Strickland, Thanks. offensive lineman from the Gamecocks. We are out of time. Phil and I did everything we could to fill this thing up with as much information as we could fill it up with today. Hope you all enjoyed that. Yeah, I think we did pretty good. JC will be back tomorrow. Perry Orth will be back tomorrow. We'll get a recap from him as well and talk to him about what he's hearing. The golden tones of the great Mike Morgan will arrive as well. Thanks to John, Matt Anderson, and David Cloninger who will be back on with us weekly moving forward as well. Derek Scott coming up this Friday. we got a got a fun next couple of days. Always thanks to Mad Dog for his hard work. We hope you all have a happy hump day. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> See you tomorrow at 11 on Inside the Game. Cox this show. <laughs>